Hello everybody and welcome to episode 73 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, we saw Spider-Man and I saw the new Planet of the Apes movie. Half-Life news. No, not, not that Half-Life news. Remember No Man's Sky? And in our book club this week, we look at a game that allowed kids to build things only limited by their imagination and anyone over 12 an excuse to laugh at building things shaped like dicks. It's Minecraft. Let's start the show. Joined on the couch beside me, we're not doing it over Skype this week, by the platforming prodigy that is Mark Robinson. Mark Wristrap Robinson. It's been this week. Um, one, one week. week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been. <laughs> I don't know who I hate more for that. Um, who are they called again? What was it? One week. Who was that by? Bare Naked Ladies. Bare Naked Ladies. ladies, yeah. naked ladies. I know my one hit wonders. Um, yeah, it's been... How dare you besmirch the Bare Naked Ladies? Three weeks? Over three weeks, because I, I think we've had guests on for the last, yeah, three weeks, so... Um, yeah, it was, because yeah, last, last two weeks we were recording in separate rooms, Yep. and the week before that I was on assignment. On assignment. So, yeah, hello. Hi. Hi. Hello, friend. All right. It's weird doing this. Yeah, again. Know, right. Like, at least superior sound quality. Sure, there is that. As I'm about to go away and probably be on the line for another two weeks after this. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but, uh, you know. enjoy it while it lasts in yeah. studio. Yeah. Like Cass, how are you, pal? How's your week? Uh, not that exciting, to be fair. Um, it's mainly been finishing work and then playing as much near as I can get into my system to just try and get to, like... Oh no! Just talking about video games. No, no, no! I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the game. I'm just talking about the process of me playing you're the game. The hooks, what you're doing? Kind of, yeah. The hook. Coming um, soon on Link to the Cast. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty much just been that, and it's again that kind of that crisis I'm having of like, where the fuck do I find time to play the significant portion uh, amount of games that need to be played? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like I've not even. You know, I still don't have a Switch, so I know Breath of the Wild is in uh, my future. Mm. I was, for a brief hot minute yesterday... Past 100 hour mark on that, by the way, personally. Yeah, I had a brief hot minute yesterday where I was thinking of getting the, the Final Fantasy XII remake. Because, look, Teletext's uh, Mr. McGee, Sean McGee, uh, he says Friend it's the best the show. one. Friend, Friend of the, the show, show as well. He says it's the best one. Friend of the show, Jack Lazell, also quite enjoys it. Yeah, sorry. He was but he delighted also likes... to let me know that he had he had put down his pre-order on it. He also likes eight, so he's just fucking weird, because, you know, not that I played it. Shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. Yeah, he, he loves me. But otherwise... Um, yeah, but other than that, uh, Spider-Man saw that. Yeah, we saw some movies. Saw some movies well, well, you saw some movies. I saw some movies. I saw a movie. Yeah. And it's a very good movie. And we've all seen a lot more movies. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be well, in... No, you're going to be seeing the same movies Yeah, a lot well, more. no, I'm going to be seeing a mystery movie uh, okay, next week. Sure. But, uh, yeah. We saw Spider-Man. Yeah. Joe Spider-Man. Joe Spider-Man. The Ballad of. As we've been calling it yeah. around the house. Um, This is Marvel and Sony's joint venture. Our 
in our, not even in our lifetimes, but since we became adolescents, this is the third swing. So at just a Spider-Man break franchise. it, break it down for me. So this, so I know that X Men is owned by Sony. No, Fox. I was going to say Sony Fox. Oh, Fox, and they own Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four okay. and Deadpool, because Deadpool, even though he's his own franchise, is related to the X-Men. Sure. There's also a weird thing where both Marvel Studios and the X-Men own um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, which is Because they're Magneto's kids, but they appeared as Avengers before they appeared as X-Men. Yeah, so that was the whole <laughs> nonsense with Quicksilver appearing... The- Here's a yeah. an interesting one. Uh, Namor the Submariner, who, uh, if you aren't a... That was just words at me you just said that. He's Marvel's version of Aquaman, basically, if you don't okay. know him, except he's cooler and more well, of a dick. Why would you want another fucking version of Aquaman? Well, he's much cooler and a dick. But uh, he's kind of one of these guys like Doctor Strange that kind of only shows up in the big, kind okay. of, when they have loads of fuckers in. Um, he is owned by Universal. They're, that's like the one they have. I mean, is it just like during the 90s? I know Marvel were, were having their issues. They nearly went bankrupt. They, and they just, just... They sold off the movie rights to all the like the A-tier stuff so that they could stay in business. Yeah. And this was before the like before the original Spider-Man and the original X-Men movie started this comic boom that has just yeah. gathered steam and then obviously, ever since. Uh, before Iron Man really took I, it. Yeah, so. Iron Man was the one where it was like, okay. Iron Man, oh, sorry, you could kind of say Iron Man and the Nolan Batman movies because the yeah, first sure. Nolan Batman movie was a couple of years before Iron that Man. That was 2005. Five, yeah. And Iron Man was 2008. So... Also, friend of the show uh, informed me there was a superhero called Matter Eat. No, eat, what was it? Matter Eating Lad or some bollocks like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like, that, yeah. oh my god. Oh. Anyway, Spider Man. Um, yeah, so this is the third Spider-Man track we five, had. Our, we I'm had calling it. Um, six. Spider Man six. six. <laughs> um, so we had Tobey Maguire's Spider Man, which yep. was one okay, one decent one, one super good one, and then the worst one. Then we had the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man one, which was a decent one, and then probably the most controversial one, in as much as the people who like it really, really like it. The people who hate it, oh boy, do they hate it. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's it, it's mm. kind of divided people. I kind of, the more time goes on, and every time I've gone back to rewatch that since, I've seen it now about four or five times, I'd say. Every time I watch it, I like it less, which is probably a sign that something's amiss. Yeah, I mean, I like Stone and Garfield, and I think they have pretty good chemistry, so that's enough I, I think me. time's been unkind to Tobey Maguire as well, because I think people think he's terrible looking back, because three in particular. I, I think it's just the, the, the legacy but, you know, of three. I, I started watching, and I actually must finish it um, tonight. This is kind of getting off the point a little bit, but, you know, we have a, we have a, we have a bare-bones news section this week, guys, to so strap in. <laughs> uh, the... Uh, the first movie I started watching again last night and I fell asleep because um, it was very late when I got this brainwave to start watching it again. And it's actually really good. Like, it's a lot better than I remember. Uh, obviously, some of the CG doesn't really hold up that well because it was 2002, sure. 15 years ago. Ooh, I remember seeing that thing in the cinema twice. Uh, or twice or three times, anyway. Um, Tobey is pretty good. Like, he is probably the one who nails the Peter Parker, like, the character of Peter Parker being a fucking geek the best yeah because he's so hapless and awkward uh, i think some of the, the like the the direction of sam raimi in it is great um and obviously willem dafoe is fucking amazing as norman osborne uh, aka the green goblin um i know people decry the fact that you get the mo- one of the most facially expressive actors in the world and you put a motionless 
steel mask on his face. <laughs> but yet still, he acts the fuck out of well, that he's, movie. He's willing to fire. He's incredible. Um, but yeah, I think people should go back and watch that movie. Like Spider-Man 2, I think everyone generally accepts is still the best one. Yeah. Um, but this, as we're about to talk about, this movie runs it pretty close, I think. So, Spider-Man Homecoming is... Marvel Studios don't have Spider-Man back yet, but he's kind of leased back to them to kind of look after it. In the meantime, Sony are still working on a Venom movie at the moment, which is weird. Um, Look, I just... A film is out in the cinema and I go and see it. That's how yeah. I... <laughs> well, you know, this is, again, nerd culture ephemera. Where uh, we're kind of... We're, we're given context here. So, this is very much the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's version of Peter Parker is teenage Peter Parker, high school Peter Parker, and uh, it is very much uh, an attempt at doing both a Spider-Man movie and a John Hughes movie all at the same time. It's mm-hmm. like 16 candles with web-slinging in some respects. What did you think? Uh, I I thought it was great. Um, I think one of the the things about it is Tom Holland is. I mean, I presume he is legitimately the youngest of the three to play Spider Man, and that really some distance as well. Yeah, an actual teenager. Yeah, and so that really kind of hits home what they try to do with um, this Spider Man in really you know juggling. Hey, he's a student, um, but he's you know trying to be an Avenger. and so I like that they, and I think they realized they had to, they just threw all of the, oh, how does he become Spider-Man out of the window? Because it's like, look, we've done that. We don't need to go. Twice. And, yeah, we've done it twice. It's yeah. all good. They they have, over the couple of films he's been in, they, they sort of make references to it. There's a couple of really knowing winks, you know, like uh, Ned, who I think the, the comedic foil, uh, Peter Parker's best friend in this, who I think steals the show some of the time in this movie. He's he's awesome. Yeah. Um. He asks some questions about the radioactive spider, but we kind of it's in a montage, so we don't dwell on the origin story for too long. Uh. There's some really good nods to Uncle Ben dying without actually ever. I don't think the word Uncle Ben is ever fucking mentioned no, in the entire I, film. I, I've seen I it twice now. Think they they get around it. Because Aunt May, at some point, uh, says a line about how, you know, or no, uh, Peter says a line about how much she has been through mm. to Ned at one point. So I think that's as close as they come to doing that yeah. part, great power, um, responsibility I, and all that. I think it goes without saying that Michael Keaton, Keaton oh, is... Oh, there's uh, a man who actually steals, like, you know, Ned steals a lot of scenes he's in. Michael Keaton is the best Marvel villain in a long, long time. He finally is the Birdman. That yeah. he was meant to be. Yeah. Now, this, by the way, uh, if you've gotten in so far, we won't spoil the film in any respect, but like we'll just kind of talk about things that are clearly in the trailer and uh, dance around anything more well, sensitive I mean, than you that. Know, we, we know that he is. But but yeah. I, I like the idea that we've we've gone several shades of meta with Michael Keaton now, from Batman to Birdman to... to playing another to Birdman. playing another Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> now we just need him to be Harvey Birdman, attorney at law and adult swim <laughs> in a live action version uh, of that. But yeah, he's fantastic. He, he has a level of intensity. He has one of the more interesting backstories of a villain... Uh, I think one of the common complaints that you get with the MCU is that most of the villains in in the films usually are just kind of like throwaway because it's all leading to the bigger plot of Thanos and whoever else. Um, so I think that one of yeah one of the best things about this film is just that they nail down a villain who has a bit of substance to him, uh, and you know they do stuff with him in the screen time 
that he's there that isn't just oh I'm the bad guy there's there's a reason for him there's a reason for his story um, it all kind of ties together really really well uh, also it does the thing like because superhero movies uh, have this thing where they they feel compelled to put a second villain in at the same time this is going all the way back to the Tim Burton yeah uh, Batman movies it's one of the bigger comic book film sins of the last 20 odd years mm. or so it's but just I think packing. this does it real low key because the shocker is a spider-man villain well i mean and like he's just a henchman to me he, he i don't see it as like a villain i just see it as just but one of yeah he is he's like know. he's not an a-tier spider-man villain but he's certainly a villain like he'd be the guy that you'd see spider-man maybe dispose of in act one to set up who he's actually after in act two and three you know what i mean sure. um so you, you've seen people knew from the trailers i think you can see the like the the yellow sleeves on him, which is a, a a dead giveaway that the shocker's involved. Uh, I think some of the stuff they do, um, they kind of do a bit of revisionist history on where Peter Parker has been the whole time that I don't want to spoil, like where he, like why he just popped up all of a sudden in Civil War when it was convenient. Mm, yeah, uh, they do they do a really good bit of dancing around there at the start to explain. Not only where Peter Parker was this entire time, but how Peter Parker's world is encroached on by the events of the first Avengers movie yeah, and other sure. stuff that's happening in the MCU. Um, and indeed how it affects uh, the Vulture's life. Um, strong performances across the board, I think. I don't really have much of a problem with it. I still think this whole MCU affair is getting a little bit of Tony Stark fatigue. And even though he's not in it half as much as I thought he was going to be, it still would have been nice for him maybe to only show up at the beginning and the end. I kind of get where you're coming from, but I do think that his purpose of being there as a plot device... Oh, it completely makes sense. I just think it's like I'm just seeing his face in these movies so much, Mm. and we've still got many movies... I, I still don't think it was as egregious as um, some people were thinking it would be. No, 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 it's not. That's why I, like, I immediately made <clears> that yeah. caveat saying he's not in a half as much as you'd think it would be. I just hope that going forward that he's not just going to show up. It, like, I hope this isn't what they go, well, we can't have Iron Man. He won't, like, seemingly, he doesn't want to do a fourth solo movie. We don't need So hopefully they one. don't just, <laughs> well, we're paying him enough money, we may as well just get him to do, like, Sam Jackson and show up in everything. Because uh, yeah. it's kind of like, Tony Stark is best when he's not saturating the whole fucking shebang. Like, I, I think the best Avengers movie is actually a Captain America movie, and that's Civil sure. War. Yeah. Um, because that is framed around Cap, who I think, like... To much surprise of everybody because after Iron Man 1 I was well on board with that like Iron Man should be the centre of this universe because Iron Man 1 was fucking brilliant Iron Man 2 <laughs> not so much it's going to be negative return on investment since then for uh, me. Should, uh, I, I'm not uh, going to get into Iron Man 3 again <laughs> I'm not I'm really not going to start <laughs> Do you don't want me here oh, for that. man it's just but, like it, when we talk about how to trigger someone that really is yeah, the way really to yeah it really is my trigger words yeah. Iron Man 3 but uh, yeah I, I just think that like Cap is the, the surprise heartwarming center of this whole sure. universe and uh, it looks going forward the things like from civil war have pivoted more towards him mm. um but yeah this movie anyway fantastic hilarious uh, i think even much like guardians of the galaxy i think that uh, people who aren't necessarily big into their comic books and comic book movies will still enjoy this there's enough fun to be had with it yeah yeah uh, i will still say as well one of my 
my concerns that I always have when going into MCU films at this point is can the film work as just a standalone film or does it always just feel like it's a, a piece of a jigsaw in a much bigger puzzle uh-huh. and I think the Spider-Man Homecoming works as yeah. a singular kind of story. in the way that it made me feel like uh, Ant-Man did where it's a smaller scale thing that doesn't feel like it has these grand Kinda, implications yeah. for what's going and on and like the 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 stories that have the best chance of dealing with that kind of stuff have been the uh, the Netflix series because they have you know a lot more time to to tell a bigger story. Yeah. Um, They're not. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly, uh, which is why you know both series of um, Daredevil have worked out so well, and I haven't seen any of the others, but oh, I hear Jessica most of Jones them, and Luke Cage are amazing. Yeah, I hear they're very good. Uh, so Iron Fist. I've heard mixed it's kind of crap. I've heard mixed things. It's kind of crap, but um, but yeah, it, it looks really good. You know, I think MCU have really started to hit a stride. Uh, I think Black Panther, the trailer for that, looks fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ragnarok looks like that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's looking good at the moment. Yeah. Um. Real quick, then before we go into video games, uh, this morning before we recorded this on Wednesday morning, I went and saw. War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, the third in the rebooted series of apes movies that have been real, Mark, I, I, I would go so far as to call them sleeper hits because pretty much everybody who's seen them really likes them. But in the grander scheme of things, people don't talk about these films. Would that be your we kind of We already had this discussion of why this is. Uh, yeah. me, me being casual uh, cinematic viewer, yeah. I can already tell you why it is. Well, there's two reasons. Marky Mark and Tim Burton. All right, there's three reasons. <laughs> uh, two of them are, as you said, Marky Mark and Tim Burton. And the other is just, I think, this, the, the and it sounds kind of crazy to say this, but when you think about it on a kind of larger, kind of casual uh, cinematic viewer, I think the names are really dumb. And I think that turns some people off. Yeah, I'll get. I'll give you the 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 um the convention of um like Rise and Dawn was very confusing for the market, kind of like a Wii Wii U thing. Yeah, like you know kinda, which yeah. came first. Um, like so that that's pretty the dumb. But the at the same time, because, is the less offensive of yeah, the three. Because but... it's because it's legacy and because it is you know based on like these films aren't directly based on the previous films. Like they aren't remakes, but they are kind of that. IP coming forward and I think for the the legacy of the franchise which still has a lot of fans I think you can't get around calling it blank blank planet of the apes uh, um. so but I I definitely concede that because I think like, people would think it'd be dumb and part of the do you remember the spate of gritty remakes that were going on about like five or six years ago they were kind of at their peak sure. I think if you just call it apes and shit like that, <laughs> that people would have gone oh fuck that you oh. know yeah, but I mean, to be fair, like, like I think, I, I think, keeping Planet of the Apes is kind of a statement of intent to some dis- degree to kind of try and claim that name back from the mire yeah. uh, that the the later films of the old franchise and definitely the Tim Burton film put it in. And it's not like it's the first series of films to have this issue. Like, I I think that as great as Alien and Aliens is, to then have to like, oh, um, is it? Aliens, open bracket, S. Aliens, or how do we do that? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but t- I tell you what, I did see the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I think when we was Spider Man, I think they showed a trailer for it. Yeah, they did. Um, the the CGI. Oh looks, my god! I mean, I, I got to be honest, it's about 
as good as any kind of CGI I've do, ever seen. Do you know what's crazy? So before I went to see it, uh, I watched the first and second one again, and this prompted me to go into a bit of a Twitter storm yesterday about how, like, how people aren't fucking talking about these movies is beyond me. So the first one was 2011, and the last one was either 2014 or 2015. Um, but about two to three years between each of the films anyway. And even the first one, like six years ago the film came out and even the first one the cg in it is unbelievable well i mean to be fair like i i don't think you could um there are some films that will have aged in six years but i think we're at the point now where the standard of cgi is gonna be well i think because we're going through it at the time like it more time has to pass before it becomes obvious to us how much it's aged because here's my one right um Everyone was banging on about how amazing Avatar looks. And it does look good, but mm. it just looks like a big fuck-off cartoon that happens to be in CGI. You know, yeah, like, like fucking, <laughs> or Toy Story or whatever. Yeah. Like, this here, this looks like a, a monkey or an ape or a gorilla that mm. just is in the world. Is just in the yeah. world, yeah. you know? So, the, one of the things I love about this, the, this new trilogy as well is an emphasis on, like, even though they are about the Planet of the Apes, which is an inherently kind of silly sci-fi concept... They have really gone highbrow with it, um, and attempted to kind of ground the the lore of the franchise in, like not science, but in stuff that sounds you know semi plausible if you're willing to suspend your disbelief, kind of, um, and it also each movie f- has a heart of like human drama that you can you can latch onto, uh, like the first one, it's all about the the relationship between Caesar who's played by Andy Serkis. He is the main ape of these this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and James Franco, who's the scientist who takes him in. Um, and their kind of budding relationship. And also, there's a, the, as I said on Twitter yesterday, there's a knockout performance in that film that people don't talk about from John Lithgow as the, the father with, with Alzheimer's. Uh, really fucking heartbreaking performance from him in hindsight that really should have got recognised more. Um the, the second movie, um, there's a lot to do with, I can't think of the actor's name, but him and, the, the, he's the guy who played uh, John Connor in that terrible tem- Terminator Genesis a couple of years ago. <laughs> I kind of like Terminator Genesis. It's super terrible, but him and um, your one who played John Connor? Felicity, um, whose name I can never remember, Felicity. this 90s teen show, Felicity. Um, you'd know her if you saw her. She's in things. Um, <laughs> but their yeah, their relationship helps. as uh, with Caesar and Caesar and this other ape called Koba, who kind of uh, Caesar had been raised by James Franco, so he knows that not all people are bad. But Koba was another ape who had been rescued in the first film, having been in a testing lab most of his life, so you can imagine how he feels about humans. Sure. So you're you're talking about the, the kind of two factions there in that movie, so that's a nice dramatic centre to twist the movie around. Uh, Gary Oldman is also pretty good for the bit of that film he's in. Uh, and this one has a great emotional core to it as well, about like a clash of civilizations between the apes and humanity as represented in this by Woody Harrelson, who I think is one of the best Woody Harrelson performances I've seen in a while. People forget because he shows up in things where he kind of is a bit silly or a bit kind of, um, how would I say, eccentric. Like He, he in... is one of those actors where he is at the point where he kind of does have a caricature of Woody Harrelson. Yeah, he's a character of Woody Harrelson. Sometimes he coasts, sometimes he does comedy. And you forget that the dude has fucking chops. Sure. And he really does in this, like a real maniacal kind of Colonel Kurtz fucking performance here from him in this. 
um and there's a great um there's it's just it's a like it's genuinely uh, and i i fear I, I or i feel like i'm not even being hyperbolic in saying this mark i genuinely think this is one of the great trilogies of modern cinema in as much as you know the way usually in a trilogy of movies the pattern kind of tends to be first one good second one awesome third one a little bit of an anticlimax like terminator shall we say i could say the dark knight trilogy i think the dark last knight one trilogy, kind of ends uh, lord of the rings trilogy i know you're not a big fan of them but like uh, most people who are huge fans of them say two towers second one is the best one could even say spider-man spider-man godfather you know there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of trilogies where that Alien. holds true but gen- generally there's a problem with finishing off the trilogy on a strong note yeah and i think and it seems based on the rotten tomato scores that this trilogy just gets better um the first one i think is rated 88 do you think the that, second one is rated 91 and this one so far is rated 93 do you think part of that is that besides however you actually view the film mm. um that because of the lack of kind of discussion about it and the hype and the fever like there, there was no kind of trailing from the second one into this one of like oh my god you know it's the big kind of yeah they're ending. not like it's they're just, not hammering you over the head with that yeah. it's a trilogy they're just kind of going they're very confident in these movies um and like it's like i said it's such an inherently silly concept but like from minute one you're just on board with it. Well, there's I mean, stuff you say it's silly. Be... I mean, it's a it's a post post apocalyptic setting. Yeah, but the, 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 story, you know the fact like know. talking apes, you know, well... like is a especially the way it can be done by Tim Burton and some of those old movies as well. Like not the first one, the Charlton Heston one is a classic. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to say the bigger issue is just Tim Burton. No, but but yeah. like the later ones, like it's a journey to the center of the planet of the apes, and a couple of other ones like that are mm. just whoa, not so great. But um. There's much more of a degree of confidence, uh, a degree of we're taking this kind of concept that's a little bit silly and we're dragging it up to weirdly highbrow sci-fi territory. Yeah. Uh, and it also has a level of subtlety about it. Like, the the whole first movie, and I, I'm, I'm spoiling a movie that's six years old, uh, not really spoiling it, but kind of the whole arc of the first movie, like, you would think because it's... Uh, dawn of the planet of the apes you would think okay we're getting like a you know a substantial build up to a huge action-packed climax really the whole movie just builds from caesar being born all the way up to kind of him realizing his sentience and speaking for the pretty much the first time is in act three like that's a big revelation when he actually is able to speak yeah like the fact that the film really takes it that slow and builds the whole movie up to that point because you know from the trailers and you know because it's planet of the apes that that is going to happen and the fact that they have that they go right we're taking our time with this and it's been a real slow burn trilogy that this by far this third one is the most action-packed the second one had some degree of action to it uh this one is the whole third act is fucking phenomenal set pieces and, and, and like cool action going on, but as well keeps that kind of dramatic core to it. These are really fucking good movies is what I'm saying. Uh, people need to stop sleeping on this franchise now. Uh, Prime Day, there was a sale on the, the Blu-rays of the first two movies, but even still, uh, they, the, the two Blu-rays together are £10 sterling. 
you can probably find them in your local kind of golden discs or wherever you buy DVDs or Blu-rays relatively cheap. Watch those first two. Go see this third one. Uh, they are unbelievably good movies, Mark, and I could not recommend them. It's genuinely one of my favourite films I've seen all year. I think possibly this is a series of films that in a couple of years time yeah you know, people are gonna go Holy although shit. like i mean i because I, I don't have the figures in front of me but i do have the internet in front of me but like i presume these films have been to some de- some degree financially successful to yeah yeah be at the point where we've got the third one yeah now. they've been successful but they haven't been like as successful as they should be based on how fucking good they are sure because this is probably like a movie bob i watched his review of it when i came home this morning and he's like, this is genuinely probably the best film we'll get all summer in terms of, like, it's an action blockbuster, but it's actually a good film as well. Yeah. Um, and also, my, my closing note on this is Andy Serkis deserves some sort of fucking award for being uh, Caesar in these three films. Uh, he mocaps the whole thing, voice acts the whole thing, and he's so fucking good. He's so, like, you don't even think, you can't see how Andy Serkis is in there. Yeah. He completely disappears into it more than like I know he's lauded for all his performance capture work to date. This is his magnum opus, shall yeah. we say? This it will never win an Academy Award. <laughs> it, like it will for probably effects or something like that. Do you think it's it will just never because win... the concept's so not goofy, but when it's, it's science like, fiction, when it's yeah, when it's you know? as, well, when it's sci-fi leaning towards comic booky territory, unless someone dies like Heath Ledger, like yeah. they're not getting recognized by the Academy because the Academy, the profile of them is older, whiter men who are yeah. not into this sort of stuff. It's not Oscar Beatty at all, yeah. even though his performance is definitely worthy of a war, like at least a nomination for something. It's fucking brilliant. Go see it. Let's finally talk about some video games, Mark. <laughs> shall we? Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Mark, I'm going to go first this week, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, it's been a while, so please go yeah, ahead. It's been a while. I'm going to smash this microphone <laughs> over your skull. Every fucking time. Uh, no, I, I kind of just want to get out of the way because I don't really have that much to say. But I've been playing a lot more of Horizon Zero Dawn this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, started really clearing off my backlog lately. And Horizon Zero Dawn is next on the chopping block. Because I had been playing Prey a lot, as I might have talked about on the show before. I definitely talked to you about it. But Prey really runs out of steam by the time the third act of that starts. Prey, I think, is the best opening to any game I've played all year. Because it's like, holy shit, this is amazing. And then it really, really peters off. So I've completely lost interest in Prey. I've deleted it. Is that in a... The gameplay doesn't change at all? Or is it just the storyline doesn't Story. go anywhere? Story. Just, it okay. just completely deflates. Right. Like, you're just... Do you know the way with Bioshock? The original Bioshock... If it wasn't for the story, you would be really pissed off because you're just wandering back and forth on fetch quests for a lot of that game. Huh, that kind of... That would be apropos for what I'm going to talk about. But yes, I, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it would... If weren't for the fact that it's incredibly well written, it would be considered quite tedious. Um, The problem is, it starts so strong that you don't realise that's kind of what you're doing. And... The, the game looks pretty uh, and some of the stuff you're doing with the combat is cool at first but then you're just doing it over and over and over again and the the design of enemies just isn't varied enough it's kind of like oh here's the new enemy it's a slightly bigger slightly tougher version of the same fucking thing 
it's kind of a, it's a video, kind of, video game design trope 101 and they all kind of look the same because they're sure. all made out of this shadowy matter right. um like which is cool at first but then it's like oh just show me something fucking different yeah, you know yeah. and then the story starts to kind of peter out and from what i've read from a lot of reviews from people i trust who had said that you the first half of this game is really good and it was they're just like they really don't stick the landing with the ending it was very anticlimactic so that has kind of completely made it run out of steam for me so i'm on horizon zero dawn now which is completely opposite it's uh, the story gets more intriguing the more i go on and the gameplay is great it's hard as fucking nails um it's a very unforgiving game uh, i've talked about it before so i just kind of want to give a an update as to where i'm at i started to feel as i mainlined the story in this game and this is one slight criticism i have of the game is that i felt like i was missing out on some things um and i talked to friend of the show sam Turner, on the tweet machine about it and we both kind of concluded that like there's no there's only one bit of gear he says because he's completed the game that you could miss that is part of a side quest or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, everything can be obtained for traders from traders. But the problem with that is the game doesn't do a good enough job of explaining what different piece of pieces of kit are good for, uh, which ones are necessary. You kind of figure out based on color coding after a while, which ones are better than others, but it doesn't do a good enough job of going, hey, maybe slow down, earn some money, find some resources, get these things, and this is why. Because I ended up... Because um, all of a sudden, if you're mainlining story quests, the difficulty will just spike all of a sudden. If you were... Kind of, I'm going through with just the basic weaponry is what I was doing. I hadn't upgraded... Like, I hadn't gone to the second version of any weapon yet. Because I didn't know I was supposed to, or when, or what point in the game I was supposed to. Because the... The, the missions are ga- are graded by what level you are experience points wise, which is n- in no way linked to what weapons you have. It's yeah. linked to what you've been doing. Um, do so do enemies can... increase in difficulty by the particular areas you're in or just like so they progress it, with you? Yeah, it's kind of like... It's in some ways it's kind of like Breath of the Wild in as much as there's no kind of like cool. if you T- walk tell me this... that game I've not played. No, but <laughs> you know the you know the way I've talked about it before. But like if you just wander off the beaten path for a couple of minutes, you'll find yourself in a world of fucking hurt because yeah. there's no real organized distribution to where the really tough enemies are. It's not like say if you walk if if the whole game was one straight line, the toughest enemies aren't right at the end of that line in the world. Um, the enemies are kind of hither and yon. Sure. Um. But what it is, is you... The game teaches you to survey the battlefield, shall we say, before you go in. So if you see um, a herd of robot dinosaurs coming up on you, you use your scope thing, uh, your... I can't think what it's called. You got this chip in your head, basically, that gives you detective mode, for want of a better term. uh, And you get to scan your enemy. You'll get to know pretty quickly which ones you can and can't take on the best indicator is generally size. The bigger the, the bigger they are, the tougher it's going to be. And as Sam talked about as well on the show, you'll start to learn that if you attack one type of uh, robot, generally with some of them, some of the more docile ones, if you attack them, they have a, a codependent relationship with another type of creature who will be nearby and if you attack those it will pursue you that thing well and they'll be like a, a smaller faster more so what what is it like so there, there are these ones that kind of look like deer 
and they could be feeding uh, like out of a you know they could be eating or drinking water out of a river or something like that they they're valuable in some respects because one of the uh, materials you can grab from them if you kill them uh, helps make fire arrows so okay. you want fire arrows because fire arrows are pretty good against a lot of different beasts however sometimes if you don't survey the battlefield properly there are these things um oh fuck i can't remember what their names are but they're they basically look like tigers robot tigers and they'll be digging away at the ground somewhere nearby but if you if those deer thing are alerted to your presence at all that you're coming after them or if especially if you attack them that fucking thing which is way tougher and way more aggressive is going to come straight for you to protect them mm. now they will attack you as well but you could probably, like, by divide and conquer, you could take them on. Like, say, if there was three of them, you could probably snipe one from far away, uh, sneak up on one. You can get a critical hit on them sometimes if you sneak up behind them correctly, uh, and then fight the other one one on one. Is it regenerating health or no? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you have to gather resources to refill okay. your health. That's now, good. That's great. The the there seems to be a relatively bottomless pit for how much of the health resources you can grab. It's just that you have to the health resources aren't everywhere. Okay. You have to be kind of wary and just like get into the habit of if you see a plant, grab the plant. Because it's either going to be a health regen, some other sort of crafting item, or just basic wood to make arrows with. It'll be a green or blue or red herb. We know uh, the rules. Basically, yeah. Um, so th- that kind of stuff is, like I said, yeah, um, this is going on a longer than I thought it would. But um, the game isn't really good at telling you, like, it teaches you that sort of lessons because you learn by dying what happens when you rush into things. You know, fools rush in, as they say. Sure. But it's not good at teaching you these are the virtues of having these particular upgrades to your weapons. It kind of leaves you to try and figure that out. And the problem with that is, like I said, uh, sometimes when you're mainlining, all of a sudden the difficulty curve will just shunt up a little bit too far for you. Um. So I got through a whole bunch of main quest stuff and I got to, I'm not going to spoil the story, but I got to a, a main story mission. And you'll know that this is a really hardy thing. I don't, well, you can actually Google search it uh, just to see what it looks like as when I say the name of this creature, right? Okay. Right. So if you type in Horizon Zero Dawn Deathbringer, all one word. <laughs> it's a great name. I had the basic bow. There must be a band called that, The surely. basic bow and I came across this fucker. Uh, I mean, that's just like a fucking... It's like a battleship on legs. Kind, is yeah, what it's pretty, like. pretty much. And I saw this. It didn't see me. And I just... I was crouched in the hedges. And I was like, fuck this. And I just... I, I got out of there. I went, I gotta go figure this shit out. So I've started to go back now, do a bunch more side quests, start earning shards to uh, pay traders. Because one thing that's cool about all these weapon upgrades is that all the weapon upgrades are pretty much available from the start. You just got to be able to afford them, and they they cost uh, the the kind of shards that you find around the world, uh, either off bodies or just around the place in crates and stuff. Uh, a combination of those and uh, increasingly rare materials. It kind of reminds me of the upgrade system in Far Cry. By the way, if you upgrade a weapon or buy a new weapon, it costs you a certain amount of money and a certain amount of resources that you've gathered. Mm-hmm. That's basically what you're thinking about here. Um, so yeah, having a lot of fun with that. Um, really fucking tough game. I did when I uh, like, 
I had a lot of impressions about this game when before I even picked it up, and I did not realize how it was going to be. Like I, it's not just Far Cry tough; it's another level of like proper. It leans into the survival elements. Of... Yeah, very much. It it teaches you very quickly. Don't fight unless you have to. Yeah. You know, don't fight unless you're either looking for resources or you can't see a way around because particularly if you're outnumbered, you're almost always going to die unless you're very, very smart. Um, but yeah, that's Horizon Zero Dawn. Talk to me about Nier Automata. Okay. So, uh, last week, I think I'd done about 10 hours there or, or so about. Hmm. Uh, so I'm now... But- you, you were at a point, I think, you, you, where you said... You were enjoying it, but you weren't blown away yet. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, I'm kind of at the same mentality with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've finished the game once. And the game not so subtly says, you might want to play it again. You might get a different ending. Yeah. Uh, By the way, we're staying spoiler free. Of course, of course. Uh, from the get-go of the second time round, things do change. Um so that's grand. Now, I still have some issues, which are that the combat is still just a kind of by the numbers hack and slash game. I mean, nothing you haven't seen before. No, but I mean, hey, it's by platinum and it's better than Metal Gear Revengeance. So you know, that's a plus. The game has that eccentricity about it that to be fair i will give props to metal gear revengeance i mean it's off the back of metal gear solid as a whole this whole game has that vibe of metal gear you know it it's discussing a lot of philosophical type um concepts but in a very just fucking weird kind of way you know Mm. uh metal gear solid is kind of famous Uh for that so as mentioned last week, the the game is talking a lot about um, AI and like with robots, you know, what happens if they become sentient, if they um, begin to understand thoughts and feelings and emotions. Um, I get the feeling, and from a few things that I've read, that it does go further than that but i'm not 100 percent sure yet so um you know i need to keep playing partially i think one of the issues that i have um and you would have to discuss more with me on how metal gear addresses this but it it brings up these topics but it doesn't actually do anything to kind of either address them or discuss them it's just hey here are a bunch of robots and they can think for themselves but there's nothing that there's there's no real more substance to it it's just it's what's used as a device to say hey here's the game that we're playing not to say that there isn't some um genuine kind of like uh touching moments like when you go into this uh, kind of uh, closed-off forest area where all the robots have made their own sanctuary, and the first time you go in there, they're all waving white flags to say, hey, look, we don't want to fight, we don't want to fight. Um, that has a real kind of charming moment to it. And then there's the bit in the fairground where all the 
robots have dressed up as like clowns and they just want to have fun and then there's the bit and i put a picture up from last week where you've got like a family of robots saying hey we're at the fairground we're having a wonderful time and it's all just a bit weird unnerving shall we say um there's also uh like they do a bit with one of the bosses and it's and i will give a bit of a, a spoiler for this the first time you fight this boss you don't really get much of a story about who the boss is it's just you you fight them second time round it goes into a little bit more detail and gives you flashbacks to why this boss is the way that she i say she it's a robot but she is and her obsession and desire to be beautiful and so it it dabbles into that area and so what i'm getting the feeling with the game so far is the way that it's addressing its story and trying to be clever is just by leaving bits of plot out from the first time round and then implementing them in in the second time round, mm. which isn't I wouldn't exactly say clever. It's just you've just picked certain parts of the story out just to put somewhere else and forcing me to play the fucking game again. But from what I understand, from what I feel is the case is you have to play the game about five times all the way through to get everything that the game has to to offer Mm. and so i'm only like one and a third of the way through so i'm still i can't 100 percent say certain that hey the game is fully addressing this or that if it does it very well it doesn't because your third playthrough may have even more perspective and context which is what i feel is going to be the case my issue with that is um the game just doesn't have enough in terms of it's the actual gameplay for me to say to, to really want to invest me to keep playing mm. um i'm doing it solely because you're curious i'm curious yeah but from a, an in-game perspective and also a out of the game perspective of what i've been told about it um so like if i'd have come into this game before i'd known all of this i wonder how i would have felt about it at this point now with all of that said uh, as i mentioned last week the music is incredible um has a real at points goes into kind of Hans Zimmer territory, you know. Uh, it's got a real epic score to it at points. Um, all of the stuff with the the kind of childlike choirs is still kind of unnerving, but still has a real epicness to it. Um, it, it does have its qualities about it, but I definitely, I, I can't see myself saying at the end of the year that this would be one of the games of the year. I just don't think it has enough substance to it doing some interesting things and i'm I'm not going to knock it for what it's attempting to do and it's too fucking weird to say yeah. it's just a boring game because it's not if there's one thing i will say <laughs> that near it is not boring yeah um it perhaps maybe it may end up when it comes to year-end awards being a victim of it coming out in 2017 where it has been so strong for <sighs> big I don't know. Awesome I, I don't think... And the thing is, like, I can't even say that I would call it a 7 out of 10. Because, again, like, 7 out of 10 is just... Eh, it's alright. But it's... It, there's too many extremes going on with, mm. with Nier. I have no idea how to fucking... It's a tough one to nail down. What I mean... What I meant by, kind of, it's suffering when it comes to year-end awards is, I think, maybe... Because there's so much to play in 2017. So much of such high quality... Um, I don't see a huge, huge audience being willing to sit down and play this thing five times through. You know what I mean? Um, like especially well, if, I, especially look, if, like you say, there's only like you're only going through it a morbid curiosity as opposed to feeling completely gripped 
or enthralled by the gameplay to bring yourself through. Hey, look, there was a whole bunch of games that came out last year that I've still not played. So yeah. I, any year at this point, I think is going to be, be the case, to be honest. Mm. Um, no, I think that's more the issue that... Um, I, you know, I think... Because I, I did this first playthrough in about 15 hours... And I think each one is going to be substantially quicker because, like, you can get... They're cutting out some of the chuffer. No, I'm cutting out some of the chuffing. Ah. Um, because, you know, like, once you know where all the areas are, you can get to them pretty quickly yeah. because you have, like, speed perks and you just... You generally get better at the combat. Is so it like New Game Plus where you're carrying your stuff from playthrough to playthrough? It's play absolutely through. that, okay. yeah. Um, and so, but, like, the areas are the same but like there are some different quests and whatnot and as you mentioned earlier um part of the issue is a lot of it is just going from one quest going from here to there you know yeah. um and that really kind of shows itself at points yeah. so it's like this is just into fill time rather than actually being kind of yeah you know, like that there's uh, you know the i i keep harping back on it because i think it is my standard for this generation but in the witcher 3 even the smallest of like witcher contracts or side quests feels like it has like narrative significance yeah this is even if it's not to the big a tier at least that like you could follow a side quest down a path for an hour and it could have a little self-contained story that's very interesting rather than feeling like i was just basically bringing the MacGuffin to from point a to point b definitely definitely is not the case here um but like i think that overall the game's only about 40 to 50 hours worth has about 40 to 50 hours worth of content which is you know considering you put 100 hours into breath of the wild i uh-huh. put 200 hours into stardew valley last year yeah. i don't think I, I see where your point is i don't think it applies here yeah um i just need to shut up sit down and just like i think give it another two weeks i could probably get yeah, most well, of we'll, what... che- we'll check back in yeah although the problem is is i kind of want to have a look at crash Edmund yeah. McMillan has just released his new game. There's two games on this that I have for the news section later this week that yeah, you might be interested in as well. Um, I will quickly as well just talk about Fire and Pro. Super Hot is out this week. I well. will just quickly talk about Fire Pro Wrestling World uh, that yeah. came out on Early Access the other night. Um, there's... I've bought this, but I'm, I'm waiting till the weekend. Yeah, so there's already... Um, like One of the, the key things about the game is that uh, the the creator pro wrestling section pro wrestler section uh, is a very powerful tool. Um, what? Start. What is Fire Pro Wrestling? Oh, Fire Just Pro like, Wrestling. Give a bit of context. Okay. Is uh, we know Barry's listening. We know he's on board. We yeah. know what's happening. It is. Let's talk to the non wrestling folks. People who don't listen to the award winning Grapple Podcast. It is a classic wrestling series uh, from the early nineties. I want to say that's been on a bunch of platforms over the years. Um, the last. There's a PS3 one. There's a there? PS... I know there's a PS2 one. I think there was one on live Xbox Live Arcade. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, they're a lot more slower paced, a lot more tactical, more about rhythm and timing. Um, so if you come into this from the uh, 2K series, you might feel a little bit thrown off by it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've played any of the late 90s uh, N64 wrestling games, you will kind of get an understanding for it with the, the reversal mechanics, the way the grappling works, it's very much in line with that. Mm. 
One of the key things about it is that the customization abilities and the tools are very powerful, so you can pretty much create any one that you want. And because this one's on Steam as well, the, the limitation for the amount of wrestlers you can download is only limited by the size of your hard drive. Absolutely, yes. Whereas in like the likes of a 2K wrestling game, there are some really, really good create wrestlers on that, but you can only have a certain amount of them downloaded. Yeah. Console. Um, and also with this, you know, you can create as many titles as you want. Um, although the, the, the tools they have there at the moment are quite limited with that, but you know, it's early access. Early access. So that will all grow. Um, you can create as many rosters as you want. So if you want to have a WWE roster, a New Japan roster, Mark's wonderful federation of glory, you OTT, know, OTT, PWG. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, it just comes down to the community to create all of these different characters. And like, there's already some great ones. Uh, Jushin from the Liger, the one they have for him is fucking incredible. Really is. Jim Sterling. Jim Sterling's on there. Dr. Tracksuit. Navarro. Alex Navarro's on there. Is Do they have just Dr. Tracksuit or do they have both Dr. Tracksuit and uh, Conrad Traxway? Uh, just <laughs> just Dr. Tracksuit at the moment, but give it time. Yeah. Uh, there's a bear. There's Zangief. There's Sonic. There's Luigi Mario. There's you Beavis. breeze right past. There's a bear. There's a bear. There's, a, there's <laughs> like an actual bear. There's a bear and there's also a referee bear called Fair Bear. Yeah um yeah you can create wrestlers you can create referees so i've already got red shoes downloaded who's a famous uh new japan uh the, referee the absolute boy jeremy corbyn is there the absolute boy jeremy corbyn is there. current united kingdom prime minister oh he he's actually the current prime minister yeah i pops for that um and so the actual like in-game mechanics it, it it's it's a fire pro game a fire pro game if you've played it before you know what to deal with uh, you know what to expect. Uh, you you also have come back to me and said the controller supports bang up to. It's it's fine so far. So like I was playing um because it, it's listed as only partial controller support, which is a very nebulous term on. Yeah. Steam. So I was using the keyboard last night, and a friend of the show, Andy Hamilton, called me a maniac, which is correct. Uh, it's just it's not the way to play it. Um, but yeah, the I'm playing it with my PS4 controller through my Windows Bootcamp partition. Um, so that is my PS4 controller can be While cycling a bike and yeah, juggling. yeah, and so that can be a bit temperamental with some of the games I've tried playing it, but it seems to be working fine. Plugged it straight in. Doesn't seem like it'd be that intensive on your average no, laptop. No, that isn't being partitioned. Uh, and it, like it kind of, if you've played again, if you've played any of the N64 games, you'll kind of have an idea of how this works. You've got like three three buttons which are like striking buttons and then as soon as you go into a grappling uh, position with your opponent um, they then turn into different grappling moves you can do uh, the only there's a few things I've really figured out in terms of kind of running consistently because it's, it's kind of weird to play it because it's in an isometric view which is a bit weird if you haven't if you haven't played um, if you've never played Fire Pro before you know so like the running feels a bit weird where you think you're going left but then you're going up uh so that takes a little bit of getting used to but i mean it's 20 quid i think it's there's a lot of enjoyment to had there i've already had some ridiculous six sounds like you already got 20 dollars worth of crack just laughing at the creation suite yeah and like that is only going to grow and mutate over time and mutate is a good word like i described yeah. it when i pimped the article you've written we've written an article about some of the highlights of the store so far indeed uh in the art in the the tweet i had that was pimping that on my feed i called it a potential nightmare factory yeah which i the, think is that's that's a pretty solid way as of soon as we it. get the cornflakes homunculus yeah, in there yeah. and 
So, um, but if you have any interest in wrestling, uh, I, it's worth having a look at. Um, and you can at least, you know, at least for nothing else, to hear what people are fucking banging on about when they talk about Fire Pro. There is that, but and you know you can make your own tournaments and you, you can have fun with it. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely worth looking at, and I can only imagine that over the next six to twelve months that will grow significantly. So there'll be more, even more options with creating wrestlers and rings and titles and everything else. Um, and yeah, it's. It's going to be interesting. I, it definitely, I'm definitely, that's going to be a game for me where I can just kind of come back to it at any point yeah. and, uh, and just kind of sit down for 10 minutes, do a match, and yeah. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's talk about uh, all the news that's fit to print. It's the news. News on the mark! Uh, got a short update at the start of the news scoops this week, Mark, and that is regarding the Alex Maurer DMCA situation, which is now in its third week. And uh, don't really want to talk about it for too long because there hasn't been all that much movement. It looked for a while last week like because um, there is a class action lawsuit pending against Alex Maurer that is being run by... Uh, Leonard French, the, the video game attorney, as he is popularly, popularly known as YouTube, he's representing both Imigo Softworks and the uh, the people who have been uh, kind of targeted on Alex Maurer's reign of terror the last couple of weeks that we've been reporting on. Um, it looked like things were quieting down. Uh, some of the DMCA strikes were removed by Alex Maurer, so people thought maybe she's seen the error of her ways. Turns out not so much. Um, because it had been pointed out to her, um, and I don't really want to get too heavy into DMCA stuff here, Mark, but if, um, so if someone strikes a bunch of your videos, so say for example, don't nod, um, turn around and go, hey, this Dave Ryan guy from Link to the Cast, he did a full playthrough of Life is Strange, uh, we don't like the things he was saying about Life is Strange, we're going to DMCA all 12 parts of the series he did. If you flag all 12 videos at once and the DMCA uh, strikes are fair or judged fair by YouTube's system, that only counts as one strike against the channel because it was 12 videos that composed one strike. Yeah. So what Alex Maurer did was to increase fear and the possible collateral damage that would be caused by it. It seems as if she removed the DMCA strikes to start applying them more slowly since they all count as different strikes. So now YouTubers who have multiple videos up about the game could face several strikes and if they get up to three, I believe, their account is automatically deleted. Yeah, so we had a lengthy discussion, me, you, Peter and Sam, the week before mm -hmm. last about all of that um, and about the issues that YouTube face that yeah. are... Some issues that there's no like easy answer, but there are also some parts of it where YouTube needs to pull the finger out. Yeah, and, because again, like if you're going to be the the platform provider, even though there are no easy answers, you've still got to figure them out. Exactly. Um, the onus is on you as the platform holder. Um, it just felt bad because it, it sounds like um, you know, it's putting a lot of people under stress. Um, she started blocking people who were trying to just talk to her and reason with her. Like, friend of the show, Jupiter Hadley, was trying to just reason with her. Yeah. 
on Twitter and got so, blocked. So for she, the... she's in Brian at the moment having a wonderful time at the developer conference. So yeah, well, probably needed. Well, she was not that night because she was. No. Already, I think she was already on her way there or had just yeah. arrived there. Yeah. And this kind of came down and she was like, that's exactly what I needed. Oh, but boy. Hopefully things are resolved soon. Our best to Jupiter and, and anybody affected by this. And again, also in, in some respects, our best to Alexander because clearly she needs some sort of professional help at this point from some of the the things she's been saying and doing so hopefully she gets that uh, it doesn't justify her actions by any stretch of the imagination no it's it's just it's a really unfortunate situation. yeah and people as well again stop fucking abusing her on twitter because that's all her twitter account is right now is she keeps retweeting the abuse she's getting yeah. and even if you won't uh even if my plea to your humanity doesn't work if you don't care about being nice on the internet at least look at it from the point that if people keep abusing her, the moral high ground is com- immediately lost yep. to your argument if you're going yep. to get down a personal <laughs> Moral high ground, Twitter. But you know uh, what I mean? If, like, no, I, I get it, but it's... Insults yeah. immediately take the rug you out from underneath any argument into you're the abyss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dave Ryan, I have some breaking news for you. Indeed. Uh, Mike Ashley has purchased a 25% stake in game, the uh, UK ah, uh, ah, retailer. Ah. So we're going to get oversized game mugs. Oh my god. I still have my Sports Direct one somewhere. Um, I, I don't know how much more has been uh, actually discussed. Just looking at this Sky News report. Yeah, billionaire tycoon Mike Ashley has added a 25% stake in the video games retailer Game Digital. So Game Digital uh, not too long ago said that their, um, uh, their profit war- they had a profit warning because of the Nintendo Switch. Which mm-hmm. is kind of bollocks because you can't just bank all of your profits and... S- uh, shares on one console you know like when you have a, a retail store there's a whole bunch of caveats to go to it so I mean game has been a, a, a just a nightmare for the last five years or I mean probably going back to the, the financial crash but ever since then um, it's just been one problem after another and uh, friend of the people Mike Ashley not yeah. really sure he's the answer beloved to figure problems. just ask Newcastle United yeah. fans um, if there's anything you want to solve a problem it's Mike Ashley barging in I imagine we'll get more on that by next week I'm sure but, the, uh, the employees of Game are delighted for a man with just stellar yeah. track record treating his employees yeah. uh, coming in with 25% of the company uh, we'll keep an eye further news as events warrant I suppose I, you know who I feel, really feel sorry for though is anyone that actually works in any of those stores because I don't think that's I I just don't feel. I mean, I don't feel. I I, like. I I was worrying. Have a base level of worry about anybody who works in video game retail now. Well, yeah. Because like, as Jim Sterling once so succinctly put it, I'd say about two or three years ago in a video, it must really suck to work for a a brand of retailer where the entire industry that stocks your stores can't wait for you to die. Yep. Uh, I've got some Fallout 4 news for you, Mark. Um, <laughs> I was not expecting Fallout 4 to be mentioned. But there are a lot of uh, hot takes from the past this week coming oh, in. That's man. kind of a, a theme for what the news What have you this got week. for me on Fallout 4? Uh, folk singer-songwriter Dion DiMucci is suing Bethesda. What? Over a Fallout 4 commercial that contains what he calls repugnant and morally indefensible images. His song, The Wanderer, was used in a Fallout 4 commercial with the same name. You can view it below. This is from IGN. Um, PC Games N reports that uh, Demucci had an agreement with record label UMG Recordings to allow any of his songs to be licensed for advertising, but claims it included a clause that meant the singer had to personally approve any commercial that used his music. Okay. Demucci said that Bethesda never reached out to him. 
Demucci found the commercial objectionable because it featured repeated homicides in a dark dystopian landscape where violence is glorified as sport. Yes. I'm going to take a long guess and say, never heard of Fallout before. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a result, the musician believes the ads damaged his image. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. The killings and physical Oops. violence were not to protect innocent life, but instead were repugnant and morally indefensible images designed to appeal <laughs> to young consumers. The lawsuit reads, The singer's suit claims that it was given the right of refusal by Bethesda. Demucci either uh, could have either blocked the use of the song, renegotiated for a higher fee, or convinced the company to tell the story of a post-apocalyptic struggle for survival without craven violence. <laughs> Oh, he is oh now man, asking is for one million dollars because he his attorney is apparently Doctor Evil to pay for potential loss of income and damages to his reputation. So this week in frivolous lawsuits. Why would anyone ever make a video game? I know. Uh, speaking of old games being old, my friend, uh, a patch came down this week for Half Life. <laughs> yeah, it did. That's our that's our Half Life news. You can uh, probably get that on Steam for about what, like fifty pence at this point. So initially, people thought, "All right, okay, a patch is coming down." Um, you know, the conspiracists would probably say Half Life Three confirmed, but uh, I think a lot more reason people went, "Okay, maybe there's a VR component coming to Half Life, and that's going to be." I can one hundred percent. What I say about ninety nine point nine percent. Say with some certainty that it's going to be VR for Half Life. That may be the case, but it turns out that is not why this patch came down. Because oh, the patch really? notes came out today. Oh, okay. All listing. Right. Uh, a... I'm just going to go back into my cage. No, it's just fixing a bunch of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Valve, you absolute nightmare people. So, fixed a crash when entering certain malformed strings into the game console. Fixed crash when loading a specifically crafted malformed BSP rifle. <laughs> Fixing malformed SAV files, allowing arbitrary files to be written into the game folder. Fixed a crash when quickly changing weapons that are consumable. Fixed a crash when setting custom decals. Oh, Valve, you are dedicated to the craft. God bless you. Yeah, so that's that's pretty... Like, you know what? Fair play to Valve. 19 years after the fact, they're still providing uh, patches for a game. Well, I'll tell you what, right? Because someone's made a, a, a wrestling version of Gabe Newell in Fire Pro Wrestling yeah. World... I imagine he'll be getting whipped into a lot of barbed wire this evening. What they need to do is they need to get that guy, um, you know, the commentator they fired last year and Gabe went on Reddit, went on a tear about him and called him an ass. Uh-huh. They need to create that guy uh-huh. and have the ultimate grudge match. Oh, man. I'd watch that. I'd watch that on Twitch. Like, all right, we, we already know by now that Valve make an obscene amount of money through Steam Are and Valve like and... the, the, the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Of, Kinda. You know, where you know what's going on like the Tom Waits like what's he building in there yeah it's like uh, no because it's a long kind of it's the worst kept secret in video games that as well as like uh, the Steam part of the business and as well as you know the stuff they're doing with VR people know games are being made there um you say that I just think they're making a lot of hats in Dota no like they confirm that they are active they actively make a bunch of games but just they like, never see the right thing. What know. are they? It's uh, turning into like, you know, Prince who recorded a whole bunch of albums <laughs> and just kept them in a fucking vault. I mean, he's Prince, he can fucking do that. Yeah. They're Valve, they can do that. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's kinda it's kinda it's just kinda crazy. Uh like who knows what Valve will do, but they have more money than God, so they can pretty much do what they like. God bless you, Gabe Neil, you crazy bastard. Um in news that's kind of like we were invented our switch portion of the evening, my friend. Um, in news that's that's 
good for people who are worrying about so you know when the wii u came out and there was an initial spate of third party support at launch uh those old gems ubisoft getting like a an old splinter cell game on and uh arkham asylum black gate came on and you know mass effect 3 was a launch game for the wii u that kind of stuff and then very quickly after launch third party support completely petered out there was renewed hope um with the switch that maybe third party would at least stick around a bit longer and it seems that at least 2k seem to want to keep exploring that uh, well we've got fifa confirmed already we got fifa confirmed 2k already confirmed uh from the switch launch that it's, it's going to have this year's 2k basketball game and now after a five-year absence from nintendo platforms the wwe game is coming back the last time it was on a nintendo platform it was still under thq yeah and um, that's how long it's been i remember playing one of the smackdown games on the ds and it was kind of terrible remember wf betrayal on the on the well, game boy color well no yeah um i, I want to say they had one of the smackdown games on the wii i think i must I don't have know if we call that because like smackdown was the playstation brand because remember they were doing it, the wwe games or oh, 2k or like, whatever it was like raw was the xbox brand for a few years oh no i mean like smackdown versus raw oh that was still like <sighs> no because that was on the 360 surely by that point yeah, that would the SmackDown vs. Raw was, but I remember like we used to keep getting we used to keep getting weird ones as well. Like, I'm maybe getting those. I feel like they put at least one of them on the Wii. Oh yeah, they they may well have done just yeah, to yeah. say, hey, here's this with motion controls, and I'm pretty yeah. sure I remember playing it and going, this doesn't fucking work. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure at that point they realized, yeah, this is just not really worth an investment. So they're bringing a, a port of two K WWE two K eighteen to Switch, which is awesome. There's a little bit of a reveal trailer with one Seth Lee Rollins. Um, playing his his switch backstage at raw while talking about how it's coming back um yeah pretty cool more third party support can't fucking say boo to that really i'd rather um, fire pro but you know yeah we can't have everything <laughs> yeah um, uh, i mean but, look, you know it's good for people who are like you know who can't afford to buy more than one console they can feel a bit more assured that there won't be just nintendo stuff to play and indie stuff and not only and if you want to go purely on a, a, a business uh, perspective like this will give confidence to shareholders stockholders because like they'll see hey you know other developers third-party developers and 2k are a big big wig exactly know? um feel confident that they can put this game on this platform and feel that there is a market for it yeah. um and feel they can actually make some returns on it i gotta think any game that has a multiplayer element as a key ingredient uh, has got to be thinking about a switch skew even if they don't necessarily jump for it that they got at least consider it based on how like with the joy con snapping off it's such a multiplayer friendly console yeah yeah like straight out True. of the box you have a two-player console which is rare well i mean the the thing with that is um correct me if i'm wrong but there's there's less buttons nope. no no nope. four face buttons oh you're missing um you're just missing one of the pairs of triggers that's it hmm. but also one of the sticks as well surely no because uh well you don't yeah, but what they do is they map that to the D-pad because they have whatever way it goes. 
I need to have it in my hand here. <laughs> but like literally like there are games that I have that have two sticks, but when you snap onto just yeah. one Joy-Con, it still works. Yeah, I mean, because like there are some games like Mario Kart where it's fine, but there are some other games where they, you know, liberally use every button that's available. So mm. um, I don't know. But you can always have like even something like FIFA, which utilizes pretty much all the buttons on DualShock 4. There is pared down versions of that control scheme. Mm. Uh, for people who are kind of like have disabilities and can't don't have the full sure, range yeah, sure, like sure, it's fair so the, there are ways and means around a lot of things like you could always just instead of say having a dedicated button to sprint in a FIFA game you could have it set to auto sprint when it's in that mode mm. or something you know what I mean okay. there, are, there are ways and means but uh, it, it's 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 promising yes that that is the key thing from this yeah, yeah. um what is up next? <laughs> so we talked a couple of weeks ago about Breath of the Wild getting a new uh, kind of similar to the the mines in Stardew Valley, a kind of uh, a floor by floor, uh, clear out the enemies and move on challenge mode called the Trial of the Sword to unlock the full power of the Master Sword. I revealed in talking about that that is it is sixty levels of increasingly fuck off fuck offish enemies, uh, where you go in and you have no weapons at the start, no armor at the start, and you have to kind of just or no food or anything, you just kind of have to forage for what's what is there to keep yourself alive. Uh, Speedrunner has gone and just bashed through all of that in less than forty four minutes. Yep, sixty levels where you've it's not like you can just run straight through. You have to kill everything before the portal to the next floor will unlock. Um, so that is pretty fucking impressive. Uh, less than 44 minutes. And in the new uh, hard mode, master mode, uh, he managed to do it in 54 minutes. So I mean, it only took him 10 minutes more to do it in the especially difficult I was mode. watching a whole bunch of the Awesome Games Done Quick uh, event that took place last week. And, you know, I was watching someone did a swordless run of A Link to the Past. Um, I saw someone do a 120-star run of Super Mario 64 in an hour and 41 minutes. There are just some fucking crazy monsters, monsters out there who um, don't know responsibilities yet. I'll wait until they come into the real world, goddammit. They won't have time for all these games. Fuckers. We've got some, uh, speaking again of uh, old games uh, in the news this week, we've got some Honey Talk related Honey news. Honey Talk! Uh, so Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD is going to be removed permanently from Steam starting yeah. next week. Yeah. Um, this shouldn't affect people who already have the game purchased and in their library, but uh, as a kind of going concern to buy the game, if you don't already own it, it seems like you will not be able to in future. Uh, there has been an official comment on why it's being removed from the 17th of July. But the best guess from everybody is that in uh, a similar move to when Alan Wake was removed, it is probably due to the expiration of a number, if not the entirety of the soundtrack. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> the m- musical rights for video games tend to expire after a certain amount of years because... There's really not a lot of future proofing goes into the or has gone into these ideas because back when these games came out, the, the similar thing happened with Vice City, where when Vice City came out for PS4, Billie Jean and I think one other song was taken out of it because the rights had expired. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, back in the PS2 era or PS1 era, um, people hadn't really thought that people would be buying these games from the internet twenty years in the future. So you know, maybe twenty years from now. This won't be as much of a problem, but this probably won't be the last we'll hear of this. No, I imagine we'll be seeing 
similar cases. Mm. Um, yeah, because the only other reason why this kind of thing would happen is like if it's just a server expense. But I don't think the Tony Hawk's HT has any kind of servers. Uh, not that I know of, but I don't no. own it, so I, um, I couldn't. But yeah, um, there's a, a guy I follow on Twitter, Ryan Brown. Uh, he's a writer for the. Uh, mirror and he does a lot about game preservation and um, he's always kind of pinging up when games are being deleted off of steam and stuff mm-hmm. so um yeah this is probably one of the bigger ones in a while yeah and uh yeah it's it's very curious and interesting if you look into it and um yeah music rights it's it's always a kicker yeah so that netflix castlevania anime that we talked about uh, when it was announced and talked about it when it launched a couple of weeks ago it's out now it's been critically lauded people are really liking it a friend of the show Golazzo Dan on Twitter give him a follow he's a great man uh, is a huge fan of it I have it on the list to be watching over this weekend uh, looking forward to it um, it's, it's only about already, two hours it's already been renewed for a second season and not only has it been renewed for a second season but they've doubled the order so it's going to be eight episodes. Yeah, all you need to do is watch season. it upside down. That's it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah in reverse. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's it's only four episodes, twenty five minutes each. Um, I have no excuse. I should sit down and just fucking watch that thing at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good to see something with Castlevania not being garbage. Can't wait for that Assassin's Creed one. Yeah, I think this was when the whole kind of Konami not being bothered about um, like making good new games with their with their IP. I think the when when that became apparent, I think the best case scenario people envisaged was that would the, they would let people license the IP from them and make good games that Konami had nothing to do with. Yeah. Um, and this is certainly a case of that. That is not necessarily saying that this will ever happen again. Lightning may not strike twice, and Konami is Konami, and Konami is the worst. So, <laughs> but I, what does come from this is a potential. Um floodgate scenario where other developers say hey there's something to this here we could let our property be you know give our property to someone yeah like we talked about last week that they're doing assassin's creed the anime exactly um but also there could be good ones that people might do (laughs) yeah do you know who i well (laughs) so we're talking about konami right Uh uh-huh what 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 do konami own that they don't really seem to be doing anything silent hill uh, no, no, the other one. Oh, Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Metal Gear is anime as fuck. I tell you what, you know. I tell you what, I'd fucking watch that because like, there'd be no stealth could, elements. Kojima tried for years to get a wet, like a Hollywood movie uh, version. Of, of course, he did. Of Metal Gear, done it was it was well storied because he always wanted to direct, direct a big Hollywood yeah. film. Uh, fair play to him. But uh, it never came to pass. Uh, and much as there are a lot of Hollywood elements, because he's clearly, if you play any of those games, he's such a fan of Western spy movies and mm. just Western cinema in general. There's so many homages in there. Uh, but there are a lot of tenets that are anime as fuck <laughs> to the Metal Gear franchise. It's um, just like one of my anime films. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, IDW, the, um, the, the comic book company, did a metal gear comic book series and the the art was styled kind of like the cover art for the first the, the early metal gear solid games oh cool um and it's actually really good and it yep. just retells the story of metal gear solid one and two and i think snake eater is coming soon if it's not already see i would absolutely as i've said a hundred times take the fucking stealth elements out and i would enjoy those games so i would probably a read and b watch anything to do with that hmm um, 
the Bandicoot, he came back. He's yeah, still he here. Jesus Christ, what is going on? Crash Bandicoot, perhaps maybe benefiting from that mid-year lull where there aren't huge amount of massive AAA stuff coming out, but also just out of fucking nostalgia and being a pretty good damn remake, uh, the, the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy has uh, topped the charts in the UK for the second week running, Mark. The nostalgia is strong. Yeah. Um, I think this will go down as probably one of the biggest surprises of the year. Yeah. Surely. Um, like, regardless of whether the game was good or not, um, just seeing... it, it Crash Bandicoot. The Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, the Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> uh, topping charts in, in 2017. Is... Yeah, and again, speaking of, like, the, the floodgates, like, what comes out of this in terms of... Um, Developers sitting on IP uh, IPs that either they haven't used or they've purchased from a, a folding company. Um, and we already discussed last week that fucking you know Bubsy's on his way back. God knows why. We'll see what happens. I I can't imagine that at some point we don't see that Spyro trilogy. Like I'm I'm I've conv- I've worked myself into a shoot. Yeah, you sure have. That he will fuck off from Skylanders and go back and do something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just I'm trying to think what else is there like early the the PS one era uh what games Siphon Filter. So, yeah, Siphon Filter. There's been a there's Medieval. Been a, but there's a long list there's there was a long time where it was rumoured that Siphon Filter was getting a reboot. Uh during like the latter half of the PS three and the first half of the of the, the PS four cycle so far. There've been murmurs that a Siphon Filter game is being or idea has been kicked around the first party system mm-hmm. in Sony. Um, but yeah, Medieval is a decent shout. Yeah, I, I mean, it does People, come... It, that PSP game sold quite well back in the day, didn't I it? I didn't even remember there was one. Yeah, it was, I think it was a launch PSP game. Um, I mean, it does... It goes without saying that Crash Bandicoot was one of the, the key mascots. You know, when you think of the original PlayStation, it's either Crash or Tomb Raider, you know? Like, in terms of mascots, so if, what was the biggest selling game in the PS1? Probably Gran Turismo, I imagine, maybe. Oh, no, probably, fuck it, it would probably be Metal Gear Solid. Final Fantasy VII. Oh, fuck, Jesus, Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Oh, they had quite a few big hits, didn't they? But when you think of, you know, just brands and Medieval mascots, Resurrection was the name of the PS. That was it, yeah. That was the PS. You had Sega, Sonic, Nintendo Mario, and then you had one of two of either Lara Croft or Crash. So... In some ways, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that it sold as well as it did. Um, but I still am. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> uh, we got one last bit of news. Uh, do you remember a little game from last year called No Man's Sky? Just about. Um, was it? Was that a platformer? Was uh, oh, the was things it, was it, it was. Was it sequel to Pilot Wings? The things it was and the things it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Let me spin you a yarn, my friend. Uh, it seems like we haven't heard the last of No Man's Sky just yet. Um, this is coming from GameSpot. Uh, it's been almost a year since the procedurally generated space exploration game No Man's Sky was released on PS4 and PC. Developer Hello Games has been radio silent since it released the game's most recent content update back in March. Now we know at least one thing the studio has been working on. A crazy, mysterious alternate reality game which points towards a big update coming in August. Uh, and this is a cool, like, this is the kind of viral marketing stuff they probably should have been doing the first time instead of going on talk shows and giving really vague answers that people read into and got really excited for a game that wasn't coming out. 
Um, the ARG started at the beginning of June when moderators of the No Man's Sky subreddits got packages in the mail that contained a poster and a cassette. According to one moderator, uh, Unimatrix01, decoding the clues hidden in the cassette recordings led to a string, which itself was translated to the word portal. This allowed fans to solve the next clue in what is now being known as the Waking Titan ARG. Progressing through the Waking Titan uncovered several documents that teased developments within the No Man's Sky universe. This culminated in the most recent file which reveals a new update is coming in August. The document presented in memo format is signed SM which is almost certainly referenced to Hello Games founder Sean Murray. Alongside this tease a website went live for the in-game organization called the Atlas Foundation. The website asks fans, which it refers to as citizen scientists, to enter their email addresses to help understand the nature of reality itself. Submitting your address will subscribe you to an email list and give you access to surveys. Uh, a survey with questions like, what does it mean for a dream to be realistic? You can also sign up through the survey for a chance to win a physical kind of uh, like toy or statuette of a level 4 Atlas Pass, which is like a MacGuffin to get you into um, restricted areas in the game. I've already signed out what you're about. Uh, assuming the teased update is a major content patch, it will be the third such update since No Man's Sky released last year. The first, called the Foundation Update, added base building and frigates, while the second added land vehicles. Uh, my thoughts on this... Um, Whereas I think the stuff that was in the first two updates and probably once we know the contents of this update are, we can all say, should have been in the game to start with, kind of in a, a real kind of um, letdown way like Destiny, where Destiny came out as a hollow shell and then filled it in and then after about a year or two was pretty much a full game. I don't even think Destiny had the fucking hype that this bleating... Destiny had a lot of hype. I... I guess it's a different kind it of hype. It cost $500 million to make that game. Well, I mean, that's just <laughs> stupid. And it was, this is the fucking, this is the Call of Duty killer. Do you not remember all that shit? This is it. You better go running. Okay, okay. It was a different. Bungie's coming in. They're reinventing the shooter again. Oh, fuck off. Came out. Peter Dinklage said that wizard is from the moon. And then I was like, oh, this is the shit. It, it was a different kind of hype, shall we say. Uh, it was a different kind of hype because it got the kind of. Because it was people, those, it it was got those people fuckers who, that made Joe Danger doing a space. Yeah, yeah, because it well, because it the way in what which it was fuck? different. The way in which it was different for me was that it got the people who don't normally buy into the AAA hype cycle. It got them hyped, yeah, because it was we were seeing what seemed like a small studio do something audacious and uh, create a game that we didn't necessarily know we wanted until we heard what they were planning, and then again, due to a combination of Sony trying to push them out the door. So that they could have something out last year uh, with a barren first person, uh, first party release cycle. Um, and it also, you've got to say, a, a fierce amount of hubris and lack of experience in dealing with PR from Sean Murray and Hello Games. Mm. Um, because Jim, Jim Sterling did a great video on this where like if you go back and all the things sean murray and noma and the hello games themselves said taking out the stuff sony said that was absolute bollocks the stuff sean murray and hello games were saying directed themselves they never like lied per se as much as they were they for the first couple of years of development showed the trailer then said fucking nothing they would say nothing about what the game is you ask them directly what the game was or what it was about they would say nothing then they elected to move to vague answers and the problem with the vague answers was that 
you can take them so many different ways that people assume that it was concrete evidence of things that definitely weren't that, in the game. And then Hello Games would not come out and say that you're wrong. Yeah. Do you know what the problem with vague answers is? Reddit exists. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the combination of that and, and like, Sony just sending them out to die really didn't help. Yeah. But uh, Mistakes were made all around. Yeah, yeah. One thing I, I really think um, is worthy of note here is that after the point where I don't think... I can't envisage a way in which a patch is going to come out that's suddenly going to spike sales massively for the game. No, that, so, that, we're, we're so past that point now. But the fact that they continue to update it is, I think, at least a testament to the fact that like they know they fucked up. Mm. They know the whole situation is fucked, but they want to make it up to the people who believed in them. They want to make up to the people who still have the game. They want to try and at least kind of for the fans of the game for the people that they've disappointed make it a little bit worthwhile in the end because there's no huge financial incentive like probably from a business perspective the best thing they could do is just stop and do something else yeah because wasn't there like a massive like uh, drop off in terms of Steam players yeah concurrent users online just dropped off there's huge amounts of the physical copies Um, oh Jesus you go into any fucking GameStop but then like as well the game sold like fucking gangbusters like it was one of the best selling games on ps4 so as many as there are secondhand in stores there's probably still loads sitting on people's hard drives yeah. sitting in people's collections yep. that for those people at least if this update comes out they might go fuck i'll pick that up back like every time they've updated it, i've picked it back up again for a little while and gone this is a little bit more like i thought it was gonna be yeah and i'm a guy who like as i said on the record i was like i'm perfectly fine with it because again i did not get carried away with the things that they may or may not. You're have a been rational saying. human being. Yeah, I, like I looked at the act, the actual absolutes of what they were yeah. saying, <laughs> you know, rather than the vagaries. Uh, so fair play to them that they're doing that. Um, it's a cool little viral marketing thing to do the ARG that gets that Reddit community I, that I still think help. That's the kind of thing they have to do. They have yeah, to well, get the Reddit some community are all spike. that's really keeping it alive at this yeah, point. Yeah. Um, so they're the people they have to appeal to. So this is a pretty good idea. They may have actually learned some PR lessons in the last. It's just it's been just over a year since that game came out. It came out in June last year. Yeah, man. Um, we've been we've been living in a, a no man's sky kind of world for about five years now. Mm. Fucking hell, I'm old. Do you know what's funny is that I actually watched a trailer on the PSN today for because Elite Dangerous just came out on mm. uh, consoles. I was looking at that and go, wow, this is way more like the game people wanted No Man's Sky to be. They should have just bought this. Yeah, I, I've I've seen that. It's a really cool looking game. I've, I've seen that statement been been made a number of times over yeah. the last year yeah, or so. Yeah, I think the problem with that is, though, again, like No Man's Sky, it's it's always online. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway, let's move on, Mark. We haven't had it in a couple of weeks, but let's go to the release date roundup. First thing I want to talk about on uh, the release date roundup this week is that there's a game that I think is very much up our straza coming to the Switch on July 13th. And it's a game called Damambo. That is, uh, according to Eurogamer, combining the best of Smash Brothers and WarioWare, which I think sells it a bit short. The best way I could put this is like uh, Gang Beasts with Bouncy Balls. Woof. Yeah, so if you click into this article, Mark, there's a short YouTube video there towards the bottom as I'm talking about this. You might watch. Uh, It looks like absolute chaos, Um, and it sounds pretty good as well if you you had... uh, if you were able to listen to it. I really like the the art style that's going on here. 
Uh, the trailer is cut very well. All right, I'm watching that. So there's up to four of these. But I'm calling it the genre of game. I'm calling it a bouncy brawler. Um, where you're basically pinging at each other across a map, trying to knock each other off the borders, kill each other that way. Uh, there are various obstacles on these maps. Uh, the environment is destructible, so presumably the longer it goes on, the less platform there is for you to stand on, uh, making it much more difficult. There's uh, a bunch of different modes on it. You can even do, I think there's like, a bunch of different solo modes on it so it's not just a multiplayer uh, fighting game it seems like a really cool little thing um it looks like it has elements of samurai gun and meat boy and uh i saw something there about it's it's one button controls yeah. which is really interesting uh which you know sells itself to the switch uh yeah that looks that looks pretty interesting this looks like a really cool like if you had a multiplayer night uh-huh. or something like that or uh, it just, looks look, like, it looks tailor-made for the switch yeah like if we if i came down one evening we were watching something on the tv i could just whack the switch down uh on the table in front of us and we could play a bit of demambo without even really thinking about it um yeah i really like the indie lineup that's coming to this coming to the switch uh over the next while big fan of graceful explosion machine and we know stardew is coming and, and a few other things like that so you know long live the switch that's what <laughs> i say um in other release date news sadly a bit of bad news and that is the full rollout of player unknowns battlegrounds the moving from early access into full steam release has been delayed until the end of 2017 which it has not been confirmed but it is probable that this also pushes back the release date for console on yep. xbox one um that will be uh, a bit of a heartbreak to people who are waiting for it on console because player known battlegrounds has been the kind of the word of mouth game of the year um there is no game i have enjoyed watching more this year than player known's battlegrounds watching the giant bomb murder island streams are fucking incredibly great and it makes me really wish that uh I had three other mates with either PCs that could play PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds or three other friends with Xbox Ones who'd be playing it when it came out. Because it seems that the... Like, it doesn't seem like there's a not fun way to play that game, but it seems like the most fun is when you do the do it in teams of four um, and try to be the last team surviving and you're on chat and you're, you're having a great time. Oh, nonsense, uh, it yeah. seems fucking... Like, a really, really cool idea for a game. Just drop 100 people on an island and see who's left standing at the end pretty awesome uh i have one last bit of release date news i didn't include this uh until now uh, because i wanted mark to have a look at the give us his uh, reactions live on air there's a new game coming out on uh, july 15th it is a fan game uh, it's going to be available online not on consoles called mega maker <laughs> really now they have made a Mega Man Super Mario Maker game using, you can use uh, apparently anything, any assets from Mega Man's 1 through 6. Oh my. Allow me to read this from Kotaku. So there's a trailer out for a fan project called Mega Maker that aims to do uh, Nintendo's Super Mario Maker did for Capcom's Little Blue Bomber. By the way, let's see how quickly Nintendo shut this down. Capcom, you mean? Well, I mean, it's still like... Capcom own Mega Man. I suppose I could still see Nintendo going fuck off. Well, it's not on Nintendo platforms. No, I'm not, no, it's not. But I don't know. I, I don't think they own the concept of a level editor. Like Little Big Planet should have been on Nintendo's case then. Well, no, but it still like has Mega Man IP. Yeah, but 
Capcom own that, uh, not Nintendo. Well, either Nintendo or Capcom. One of them is going to look at this and say, fuck off. I'm saying Capcom. Like, Nintendo don't have a hot Capcom. dog in the race either, here. Either or, one of them is going to shut this down. I Yeah, Capcom. Right. I'm just, just saying, it's, it's going to get shut down. Sorry, no, I just, I completely don't get where Nintendo is coming from here. I, I'm I'm trying to get to the point that it's going to get shut down. That's, that's, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's just the point I'm trying to get yeah, to. Yeah, Capcom so, will get very okay, litigious yeah, on this very sure. quickly. Sorry, you just really threw me with that yeah. one there, but... um. It's aimed for release on July 15th, but much like as uh, a Pokemon Omega version, which was the nuclear, that nuclear type in it. You remember the fan one? That... No, Pokemon Omega was like the game that was released. Oh, what was the version? There was a fan game um, that included a whole new type, and it was a full Game Boy. Plutonium or some nonsense like that? Yeah, I think it was something like that. It's really good. I've played it. I have it on my computer. Or did it begin with N? I'm going to look I'm it gonna, up there. I'm going to look it up. Um, so the project uses assets collected from Mega Man 1 through 6 and boasts over 100 different tile sets, several different backgrounds, and up to 12 unique robot masters. It even has its own chiptune-inspired soundtrack created by Cosmic Gem. Uh, there's a trailer on the Kotaku article. Looks pretty good. Um, to me, if I was Capcom, and I'm not Capcom, so Capcom are definitely going to get litigious about this, I would do what the Sonic Mania thing was, and I would just hire the people who did this to actually make Mega Maker properly, because well, that would be the small thing to do. Yeah, because uh, uh, Pokemon like, Uranium. Ah, yeah, that was it. There you go. When I said Mega Maker, your face lit up like well, a yeah. wee child on Christmas morn. <laughs> the thing is, as well, is that because of the way the Mega Man games are made. They are very similar to the kind of like fixed pixel format of mm. what Mario is, you know. Yeah. Um. So you could do you legit. You could do a Mega Man Maker and have it kind of be consistent um, with like sprites yeah. and the way the levels are designed. It also so, yeah, it's possible. It also appeals to the uh, the Mario Maker audience of Nightmare People. <laughs> yeah it does because the whole thing on Mario Maker if you never played Mario Maker is that people were trying to deliberately design the most convoluted and difficult levels in the world when it comes to Mega Man not that hard well, they're giving you plenty of assets to make a an absolute waking nightmare I I don't know I, I feel that um, <laughs> Mario World like if you want to design Mario World to be difficult as we've seen with like the fucking nightmare person who has spent 1500 hours trying to finish his own level yeah like it, it comes down to just if you have all the pieces in place like any person will take something and make it the worst it could possibly be yeah you know um but yeah I, I I'd be very much um interested in seeing more of that I, was I also actually... like the idea of uh, someone said that the next Maker game from Nintendo should be Metroid Maker. I oh, would absolutely. really love to see that. Yeah. Um, but also the other thing as well with Mega Man is if they wanted to, they could make it consistent and they could have the sprites for the original NES Mega Man and then like Mega Man X. Mm-hmm. They'd have to find a way because Mega Man X, I think he's like 16 by 16 or 32 by 32 and the original Mega Man is like 8 by 8. Well, you could do it like the... Um... You know, the way you pick the background based on whether it's going to be Mario 1 or Mario yeah, World. Yeah, yeah. So, um, or Mario for Wii U. So immediately by switching it, it disables the things that wouldn't work in the other. Yeah, well, it's more just the, the, the graphical, uh, the actual sizes of like the sprites and stuff. Mm. So they might have to 
maybe like redraw all of them if they wanted to do that so i don't know the, the, it's, Again, it's they, could, they could, it could probably take its cue from the fact that like the like super mario maker physically won't let you put the the new super mario brothers version of mario because he's different yeah, portion yeah, in yeah. on a super mario world map because it just wouldn't work it just wouldn't work um so that way of disabling it's probably a smart way but again there's no yeah. point because they're going to shut it down there was a great yeah there was a great uh family project i played a couple of years ago it was basically uh, an arena shooter and it had all the Mega Man characters and all the bosses but they all have like their own unique firing weapons so they all kind of behave in different ways it was yeah. great um yeah that's gonna do it so um july 15th check out for uh mega maker before it gets taken down by july 16th um download that i'll be very interested to see what sort of things people can come up with before it's destroyed um that's gonna do it for the news this week and the release date roundup um and now it's time for the linked cast book club where we talk about an important or significant game from gaming history that you may have overlooked or may need to revisit again and Mark's got a beauty for us this week as we are going to talk about the best Lego game that isn't called Lego. It's Minecraft. Minecraft is a sandbox video game created and designed by Swedish game designer Marcus Notch Person. We won't talk about him much during this. And later fully developed and published by Mojang. The creative and building aspects of Minecraft enables players to build constructions out of textured cubes in a 3D procedurally generated world. Other activities in the game include exploration, resource gathering, crafting and combat. Multiple gameplay modes are available, including a survival mode where the player must acquire resources to build the world and maintain health, a creative mode where players have unlimited resources to build with and the ability to fly, an adventure mode where players can play custom maps created by other players, and a spectator mode where players can uh, fly around and clip through blocks but cannot place or destroy any. The PC version of the game is noted for its modding scene, where a dedicated community creates new gameplay mechanics, items and assets for the game. Minecraft received praise from critics and won numerous awards and accolades. As of February 2017, over 121 million copies have been sold across all platforms, making it the second best-selling video game of all time, only behind Tetris. 
In September 2014, Microsoft announced a deal to buy Mojang and the Minecraft intellectual property for $2.5 with the acquisition being completed two months later. Now, I'm surprised we didn't actually uh, get to Minecraft till this point, but mm. I do feel, uh, without too much hyperbole, that Minecraft is probably the most... I'm not sure if important, but influential game released this millennium so far. Mm -hmm. uh, and Certainly I the most fucking ubiquitous. Yeah, and I say that not just from the aspects of within video games and other games that have taken the elements of Minecraft, mm -hmm. but just outside the... in the real world as well. Like, hey, but like this. Like, what we know now of YouTubers and Let's Plays on YouTube... Yeah. And that entire scene, like a significant My, Minecraft was the rocket fuel. It's there that were, lit this world on fire. There were two scenes. There was the uh, indie horror survival genre with stuff like Slenderman and yeah. the, just the reactions that people did, and there was Minecraft. Yeah, and the fucking world that has been created, pardon the pun, um, from that scene since, mm -hmm. you know, like. It's a phenomenon. It's it's, it's, it's beyond of it's like it's it's a cultural movement. You know, I don't not since maybe like the original Nintendo Entertainment System has there been a a, a cultural shift that you would notice even if you didn't play to vi play video games like yeah. Minecraft. And like great. I feel old most of the time, but the only time <laughs> I feel old when it comes to to gaming is when I see like a seven year old with his tablet watching a video of someone playing Minecraft, which you which we did not one day ago uh we were i was minding three of my little cousins here the youngest of whom is in fact seven years old about to turn eight next week and he his brother two years older than him and his brother two years older than that again the three of them obsessed with minecraft and minecraft playthroughs i don't know i genuinely don't think the amount of minecraft they play uh i'd say it would pale in comparison to the amount of minecraft content they have watched yeah on YouTube, like the diamond, the, the stuff like the diamond minecart, who I think I'll probably get back to at some point of this because there's a thing he does that utterly fascinates me, um, and like Stampy Longhead, and there's like so many YouTubers who are just known for doing Minecraft and nothing else, and they have made tasty fucking incomes off. I know, right? And it blows my mind. Like I remember playing the beta version of Minecraft back in. I want to say like 09 or 2010. I think it was while I was still at university. Yeah. And I remember just kind of fucking around with like the raw elements that it had uh, and, you know, building a house and surviving the night and avoiding zombies. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. I like this. Um, but I actually ended up spending more time and getting more obsessed with Terraria, uh, which had been yeah. released a couple of years later, which, you know, took the kind of template of Minecraft but put it into a 2D plane, if you will. Yeah, it went a different way with us. It went a different way. And then there was Starbound as well, which I think was kind of kind of mm. similar as well. Um, but not in my fucking wildest dreams that I think that this would end up becoming the second most popular, most sold game of all time. Um, For such a, like a simple concept. Yeah, but I mean, hey, Tetris is a pretty fucking exactly. simple concept. Exactly, that's like you've, you've boiled it down to the bare essentials. Like, it is, like I said um, in the intro here, 
it's it's video game Lego. It's it's doing yeah. Lego better than Lego does. It's, Lego it's less a game. It's a creative tool. Yeah, because Lego is limited by the amount of pieces you have. Minecraft is only limited by your imagination. As I said at the start of the show, like whatever you think you can build, you can build in it. And and some of the things we report them as fucking news stories on this show. The things people have built, like you know, people are happy just building their castles or building their houses or whatever, but. Like, someone, like, using, the, there's a resource called redstone, which can be used to make electrical wiring and create switches and things like that. And people have built working Game Boys, working calculators, things like that in the game. Um, all sorts of th- things people have built. Um, so so you played the, the beta of Minecraft. What has your interaction been with it since? Because I, I feel like your interaction predates mine, because by the time... I got to play Minecraft. I think you were kind of either over it or just weren't. Yeah, so I, with I it had the, the 360 version. Yeah. Um, and I, well, I had the original release on PC as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't like properly been invested with Minecraft. Um, certainly like post the Microsoft purchase. Definitely like since then. Yeah. Um, I haven't really looked into it other than when someone gives me it on the tablet and I'm playing the Pocket Edition. I'm like, nope, this doesn't work. I can't play this. Mm. Um, as actually, post Terraria, um, as soon as I got Terraria, that was like, this is my version of Minecraft that I want to play. You know. Um, but it, it's fair to say that every now and again I'll see a story in Kotaku or whatnot about some fucking nut job who's made like doom in minecraft because why wouldn't you you know like it it has an unlimited amount of potential uh, and it's only it's only capped off by your levels of creativity Mm. you know so let's talk about kind of what like what the game is what you do because there's certainly and and most of it has actually been kind of introduced post 1.0 version of minecraft but there is a loose kind of aim to the game very very loose so um like mark said the, the basic tenets of it are you're dropped in the world uh, farm resources build a settlement survive uh, there are a bunch of different enemy mobs zombies are the basic ones um creepers are the kind of the synonymous uh, enemy mob uh, of minecraft uh when it, it a lot of the the minecraft merch and toys you will see in your average toy shop would be the creeper this thing that looks like a weird bush with a sad face mm-hmm. that comes towards you and explodes once it's been in a certain radius um but there are yeah so there are a bunch of different enemy mobs there are endermen who are based on the slenderman myth um and there is um there's a place called the the nether that you can go to so eventually, just from mining around, like like I said, Minecraft is the aim of the game. You eventually kind of have to, to get better resources, start mining underground, where there are more dangerous enemies, but more valuable resources. Um, and you will occasionally find this resource that is very cleverly created, that you can manufacture yourself by introducing water to lava but it's called obsidian it's a fucking it is the it's the hardest destructible element in the game uh you build a basically a square with that and uh strike a match to it basically you get a bit of flint and 
I can't remember what the other thing is. And basically create a spark. It opens this portal. You go into the end. There's all sorts of super rare items in there and super hardcore fucking enemies. It is, as we've used the phrase already on the show, a nightmare factory in there. But the end of the game is in a place called the end. So the Slenderman, or the Enderman, which I had already mentioned, uh, every, I think on average, every two that you kill drop a thing called the eye of the ender um or no they they drop an ender pearl and you combine combine that with an element that you find in the nether this is all getting very confusing now, <laughs> to create an eye of the ender and in every single world that you get dropped into there's a thing called an end portal and the end portal is in a fortress on the PC, so the, the the worlds are considerably larger on PC because of the size of the hard drive, the size of the servers. They're considerably larger. In the entire world on PC, there are only two end portals. You can't build them. You can't destroy the blocks that make it up. It is fixed in that place. You have to find it by throwing an eye of the ender into the air. It will start moving very slowly in a direction you keep doing that and you keep catching it because it can't take too much damage before it gets destroyed and you have to start again you use that to find the the end portal which is in this fortress which a bunch of different hardcore enemies you plug in eyes of the ender where they are missing along the portal opens up this place called the end where you fight a thing called the ender dragon which is this massive hardcore fuck off dragon and the whole place is full of endermen as well which makes it considerably harder and if you destroy that dragon, which is not an easy thing to do, then you have, quote-unquote, completed the game. But I think it's fair to say, Mark, most players who play Minecraft don't play it to do that. No. I wasn't even aware that was a thing you could do into a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it only, like, it came in fairly, like, the end was a much later development than it. I don't yeah. want to say exactly when, because I don't know what the timeline yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that, and I might be wrong here, but I don't think the game was ever originally designed with that... Knowing, yeah, knowing what Notch used to be like when he was fun and not shit, or at least when we didn't know he was shit, mm. um, he may have just put the end in later to go when people were asking, when does the game end? He's yeah. like, here, fuck, there's an end for yeah, you. Yeah, it's called the end. And fuck everything off. was pun, uh, a pun off an end. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, most people just are happy to build settlements, mine resources, build cooler things. Um, so there's a playthrough. It's one of the very first YouTube videos we did on Link to the Cast of me showing everyone around my world. And I just have it open here in front of me in U- on YouTube as we're talking. Where like myself and my friend Ben, on, we both got it for PS4 because I'm not a big PC gamer. So uh, I had Minecraft on my PC, but I only played it offline on my own and uh, creating stuff. And that's fun, but not as fun as if like you and a buddy create a world together and have different projects myself and ben wasted i would hesitate i would i would hate to see thank god the ps4 doesn't have an hour clock for what you've played uh because we have no doubt wasted a couple hundred hours in our world where i just came across a village full of priests murdered all the priests and then invited ben into the game and we've started building things um ever since and we have You've seen the world before. We have this complex rail network that takes us around the world that saves us loads of time. Yep. I have a, a massive tower with a skybox in it that I built because just because, and you're able to dive off the top 
and land into a swimming pool at the bottom so you don't sustain any fall damage uh, and then I think the we've built a lighthouse since this video that you can't see in the video because I hadn't even built the pier that now has a lighthouse on it uh, we've built temples we've built um, stables we've we, we've started farming animals and I think the the crown jewel of what I've built is a giant skull that cries lava uh, right in the middle of this peaceful village that's <laughs> it's like pure Dr. Wily yeah, yeah yeah and that's where I have the the nether portal in <laughs> because Excellent. it's it's pretty yeah apt. yeah yeah um but yeah like it's safe to say that even though there is a loose end to it it's only for those who are curious about the end. That's not really what the game is about. The game is having f about having fun in creation, reveling in creation. Yeah. And that also means it's not for everybody. Because there's a lot of people who are orientated towards, no, I need a game to be telling me what I should be doing. What's the purpose of me being here? I need narrative. I need this. I need that. This is pure what Mark Robinson always champions on this game. This is pure gameplay. But without even a, a nudging you in the direction of anything this is kind of just giving you all the tools straight up and going what have you got um we've seen the the far-flung like reaches and influences of what this game has become because you look at uh primary schools that are using um this game as like a creative tool for, for like six-year-olds to yeah. say hey just make some shit, you know, get the neurons working, get the motor skills working and just start creating stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the what this game has become in terms of being more than a game and being like a learning tool is fucking astounding. Even and when it comes up to like teenagers and stuff, there's a lot can be learned about uh, the building of settlements and... The, the basics of economics yeah. from <laughs> Minecraft. And and a lot of this all comes down to, as well, is the the very uh, clever way that the game is designed using a very kind of low graphical fidelity and low uh, poly uh, models mm. in that the game can be ported and has been ported to just about everything, you know. Um, all right, fair enough, you've got your 4K version if you really want to, but... You know, you can play it on any kind of low-running tablet, essentially, um, yeah. because it's not that much of a workhorse in terms of yeah. powering to run. Um, so, you know, pretty much anyone can get their hands in it. And, like, I, to some degree, I do agree that, you know, there are certain people that are like, well, there, there's no kind of end goal, there's no end aim, there's no objective here, so why do I play this? But... I think that opens the door to a whole lot of other people who are just like, this is a fun thing I can fuck around with. Um, and again, you know, we've seen the the creativity that's come out of that over the last five years or so. Um, it, it, it's truly like, it's a thing where my, people have asked me, a lot of people, um, either people who kind of interact with our, our stuff, interact with me on Twitter or just people I know, have asked me is minecraft the game for me and this is where i feel the elevator pitch comes in mark unless you have anything else to, to add. well i was gonna just uh, I, I got a couple of uh facts here that are, are pretty pretty amazing really and Blow this is my mind mr Allen. and this is only from 2014 right so imagine where we've come in the last three four years um once this obnoxious thing gets that way so 17% of all gamers between 10 and 50 in the US uh, have played Minecraft in the past six months. 
Uh, 36% of all Minecraft gamers currently have an Xbox Gold subscription, and 24% use Steam. And I imagine that's probably increased since then. Mm. Um, 28% of Minecraft players have also played FIFA in the past six months. Ah. I feel that was... Like, are we at the point now where when we, think of, when we think of the kind of lexicon of, uh, like, you know, gamers, when we think of FIFA and Call of Duty, I think Minecraft is in that tier as well. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? I think it would be, yeah. 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 Um, Minecraft gamers in the US are very active gamers. They played an average of 22 franchises in the previous six months. I find it impossible to believe how anyone's playing anything other than Minecraft. Because once you're <laughs> once you're in that bubble, you know. Um, I'm already starting to feel the itch just from talking about it now. But I will say as well, I, I said earlier on about the influence uh, outside of the, the gaming spectrum. But within gaming... Um, the amount of games that we see that use procedural generation, um, I've always banged on about Spelunky being the one to really kind of hammer the home, but obviously you can't not look at Minecraft. Yeah. Um, we're seeing stuff like, what, Lego, is Lego Dimensions, is that there? Uh, no, Lego Worlds. Lego, Lego Worlds. Dimensions was the Toys to Life. Ah, okay, sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously Lego, we're going to come out with something. Um, there have been so many fucking knockoff Steam versions and uh, I. Um, Apple versions around that, you know, are trying to make a quick buck. But there's also a lot of games um, like, oh, Jesus. Oh, what was it? Was it Half Minute Hero? What the hell was it? The, there's, there's loads of games out there that take kind of elements, whether it's just graphically or mechanically from Minecraft. I mentioned Terraria. I think Terraria is a excellent game that does more to kind of give like more objectives to minecraft mm. but put it in a 2d uh plane using kind of like 16-bit graphics um chaz friend of the show like he he will vouch for that game yeah it's i am kind of surprised that we didn't get to minecraft earlier um it is probably the most I want to say influential game of the 21st century mm. um, for people who don't know games. I mean, you can't help but like if you go into a it's GameStop a, shop, it, it's it's a phenomenon that has reached beyond uh, the bubble. Yeah, like you go into any kind of GameStop shop, and like the 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 frigging merchandise for. You know, it's become the level of like you don't get it much anymore. Like we had the initial boom of the the mascots, like Mario, Sonic, even Crash are kind of Pac Man. These these are names that are familiar to people who don't give a toss about gaming. You immediately show people a picture of Mario; they know who it is. If you show people something from Minecraft, most people are going to know it's Minecraft. Yeah, uh, but Minecraft is the interesting one where it's not like brand specific. Yeah, it's just yeah. video games. Nor does it have like thirty years of brand identity. This is relatively a newcomer and is already at that level of re brand recognition, which is incredible. Yeah, um, um, we'll just quickly point out as well. Not awful person, but awful person. There you go. As we discussed last week. As we discussed last week. Yeah. Um, the elevator pitch. As I was saying, the the people say to me, people people have asked me multiple times because they know from my. PSN activity or from things I share on Twitter that I play Minecraft. Not actively all the time, but it's like every couple of months I'll go back and dump a bunch of hours into it. That's kind of what it is for me at this point in proceedings. But they'll ask me, is Minecraft the game for me? And my... I make a, a, 
my answer is always no matter who you are minecraft is the game for you with one caveat you have to be the sort of person that is willing to give yourself a project yeah because it is not an objective based game at all if you are not comfortable with a game where you start up and you are the person who decides what you are going to do with your play session then that's when the game isn't for you um, if you're not satisfied with going, okay, what am I going to do today? Like myself and Ben, who spent a couple of days building an underground tunnel network that led to what we call the Batcave, which is a massive, basically underground warehouse of resources. Just building that entire thing took hours of play. But because we're chatting away online, we're having a great time doing it. You could have just actually fucking built a shed or something. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you have to give yourself a project or something like that because... Yeah. If you're looking for the game to tell you what to do, you are going to hate it. But uh, it is one of the most... If you are that kind of person, if you have a creative spark to you at all, um, or a bit of imagination, it is genuinely one of the best and, warning, one of the most addictive games you will ever play. You will sink hours into this without noticing that you are doing it. And in some ways, like it's a game that actually takes some of its uh, kind of mechanics and game design tropes from... like late 80s and early i mean notches was a, a, a gamer of the that era of games where you know there were objectives but it wasn't clearly defined on a map with a hud you know like today where a game say like horizon zero dawn or, or near where it's clearly like right you are here you must go here mm. it, there's none of that there, i mean there was none of that really in the early 90s and late 80s it was like hey there are things you can do but you got to go and discover it for yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, so in some ways, Minecraft is a game that isn't a product of its time. Um, mm. And that kind of makes it stand out all the more. Uh, yeah, really, like, I mean, there, there's so much stuff that has been written about Minecraft, um, and it's, it's, it's really one of those games that we could spend uh, a, a lot of time really, like, talking about... For something that really there isn't actually a lot to it yeah you know that's the that's the charm of it, it it's it's a tetris game you know yeah. in that in that aspect this game is what you make of it yeah it is it is simple it is uh complex complex simplicity hey. at, at its finest um we have one last bit of business to do before we wrap up the podcast for this week and that is for me to name the game for next week mark i'm gonna take us back uh, oh, about a decade and a half and i think we are going to next week talk about i think this will be the third entry in its franchise that we are going to talk about and this is a game i think you know, i feel uh, is a little overlooked because it follows and precedes two of the greatest games in its genre of all time arguably uh, particularly within its own uh, franchise anyway um, I want to talk next week about Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, we're going there, are we? We are. We're going to talk about Flood. To the GameCube. Okay. As they say. All right. Um, Dan Reichert's one of his favourite <laughs> Mario games of all time. I don't think I'm, I'm that strong on it, but I, I, as we'll probably talk about next week, I feel it's a game that gets a bit maligned for... I think people are a little bit harsher on it than necessarily they should be. I can give. Uh, I I've had many discussions about that game, so yeah. I have I have 
things I can see, both <laughs> positive and negative. Yeah, there, there are certainly that. But like, let's not let's not kill Lily too much. We'll talk about that next week. This has been episode seventy three of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcast platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Give us a subscription, a rating, a review. It all helps. Please tell a friend, share the link you found this podcast on, tell some more friends. We're, I've, I've noticed us picking up some new listeners in recent weeks. We really appreciate that. Hope you can all stay on board. Um, spread the word. Uh, you know, g- get shit going. People love talking about old tat with a couple of wankers just like us. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> The website is linked to the cast.eu. That's kind of where our articles, like the one uh, Mark just released today about Fire Pro Wrestling's uh, Nightmare Factory, um, can be found, and also show notes for every single podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, drop us an email at linktothecast.gmail.com. Uh, social media is facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and at link to the cast on twitter those are probably the best ways to get uh, to hear back from us relatively quickly myself and or mark are usually uh, within an arse's roar of the tweet machine or facebook at any given moment so we can respond quicker on there than we necessarily would by email individually i am at dave ryan iv and that man over there is at lithium project Sometimes, Mark, we stream games over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast and archive them later on YouTube if you just search for link to the cast, either as all one word or separately, whichever way you want to do. We have a weekly video schedule. Uh, on Monday, we have Mark on Mondays, where Mark sometimes drop, drops a video, sometimes drops no videos, and sometimes, like this week, drops two videos yeah, in one I'll just, go. <laughs> just fucking get the thing out and just done with. All right. Because I didn't know if you'd done that deliberately, because there had been a time where you double-posted oh, a video before and it was didn't notice for ages. It was deliberately. Okay. So you've been doing Axiom Verge, and now you are rapidly in, uh, approaching the end. <laughs> How's that going? I don't know. This was like three fucking months ago. Uh, nearly done, though. It's it's done. That that was the last well, two episodes. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're moving on to something else next week. Do you want to... Do, do you know what it is? Do you want to... I mean, I've got a whole bunch of games that I haven't done any kind of streams with. I might, like, just play a bit of Wipeout next week and... Oh, okay. Yeah. As a kind of palate cleanser before whatever your next long play is. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I should probably sit down with you at some point and give you kind of... Actually, no. Because I know you want to play near at some point... And I can't, at where I'm at the point I am now, mm. I can't just drop you into that. Like, the, mm-hmm. that would not, no, I can't do that. Um, Wednesdays, Retro Corner 64, where we uh, chronologically play every single Nintendo 64 game that was released in English-speaking territories. A daunting task we have put before ourselves. And uh, Some say daunting, some say idiotic. Hopefully we will remember to put up that video tonight. I'm letting you, I'm going to give that task to you You're tonight. You're going to give right? that to me tonight? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, that video goes up every Wednesday when we remember it because we are fucking cretins. Thursday is linked to the cast. This podcast that you are listening to now with your head holes is the one that comes out every Thursday. It's an hour and a half, two hours every single week, so we don't put anything else out on that day so you can enjoy it by itself. Friday is Friday Plays, my solo stream, where I ring in the weekend in style by giving you a guided tour through what I am playing at the moment. And Mark, I am starting a new series this (gasps) week, having finished Life is Strange last week. I'm going directly into my next long play. Uh Uh-huh. Would you like to know what it is? Sure. Uh, I'm going to... Is it FIFA? Um, no, I'm going to a horror game. Oh. 
Um, but a horror game unlike others that I may have advocated before on this uh, very podcast. I'm going to play a game that I bought, wanted to play, like the look of, like the soundtrack of, because I fought for it, I think, in the Game of the Year soundtrack category last year. Uh, and that's a game called Oxenfree. Oh, okay, Oxenfree, yeah. Isn't that... I think it's got like an iOS release. Uh, I think got announced I think it the does. other day. Yeah, I think yeah. it might do. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna have a look at that um, because I really wanted an excuse to get into it. It's just been sitting there. I picked it up in a sale. Really wanted it as a big horror fan. Really wanted to have a look and see what that game has to offer because it definitely has style mm. and definitely has sound. So I want to see what the gameplay is in there and enjoy that quite a bit. That is going to do it for episode seventy three of Link to the Cast. I have been Dave Ryan. That man there has been Mark Robinson. It is late and we are tired. Let's let's get get the the fuck fuck out of here. here. (laughs) Bye.